Thank you very much. Good rainy afternoon for the yeah. Measure A Community Oversight Committee. I'd like to get us all started today. Um, first item on the agenda, well, the second after the call to order, is the uh, approval of the minutes that were included in our packet and posted online. Does move anybody to approve. move to approve? A second? Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Uh, oh. uh, yes, we had a a question and a comment. Mm -hmm. um, on, on the, and I'm not familiar with what rules of order you use, but on the minutes, it shows that the um, voting is, is not the same as the people who, let me put it a different way. The per person who makes the motion and seconds it are not listed as voting. Um, and well, they're making the motion. Right, but uh, unless your rules of order um, preclude it, mm -hmm. Um, the person um, who makes the motion or seconds could um, vote against or even abstain. And it would seem that, at least for someone from the outside reading the minutes, we don't know what the rec record is. Okay. We will, uh, we will bring that administrative item up with the staff. Yep. Yep. So I, I think in terms of what is currently listed on them, the implication is a motion and a second is a vote in favor. Uh, so. But I understand your point of clarification. Yeah. So. Um, with that said, uh, can we have a vote? All in favor for the Aye. acceptance Aye. of the minutes? Aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you. Abstaining? Any? Our new member? Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and speaking of new members, third item on the agenda, we have a new member coming in and then a new returning member <laughs> coming in. So we would like to welcome them and welcome them back to the committee. Uh, both Roger Harris and Pat O'Brien coming back in. So um, would we take a moment just for them to say hello, introduce themselves to the rest of the committee? Pat, you can be shorter if you'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm Roger Harris. I'd like to be on the committee. I live in Corte Madera. I've been a Marin resident for um, almost 40 years, and um, I'm a retired conservation biologist. Welcome back. Pat O'Brien, and uh, I live in San Rafael, lived here for about 25 years, and a Bay Area resident most of my life, and uh, worked in the parks profession, and was interim director here for six months. Welcome back to this side of the bench. So. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> next item, uh, public comment. Do we have anyone from the public wishing to comment? If not, we will move on to uh, the next item with the uh, director's report. And this is an informational item. Good afternoon, uh, Max Corton, uh, director of Marin County Parks. Um, <coughs> as you may imagine, we've been uh, really busy with the storms that we've been having. Um, our ranger staff have, and maintenance staff have been working. We've had a number of uh, closures at our regional parks uh, due to large trees down and hazards, uh, and additionally, at Stafford Lake, we've closed our um, restrooms due to um, issues with the, the system there uh, and water, and so we have uh, portable toilets there. Additionally, we've had um, around we've had around 40 trees down in the open space, and over 20 uh, slides have been observed. Uh, a number of those relatively serious that our staff um, are taking action to. Uh, um, reduce the damage uh, from those slides. And so uh, it's 
it's kept us busy and, and uh, crews continue to work uh, overtime on responding to the storms. Um, additionally, there's a, a few different items that I'd like to call your attention to um, that may be of interest. Uh, so one is we brought some um, uh, revisions to our Marin County Open Space Code to our commission uh, in November. Uh, we received um, some some thoughtful uh, feedback from the commission and from the public. There's been a lot of interest from the equestrian community, especially, and um, we've made some further changes in our in our code revisions. We'll bring that back to our Parks and Open Space Commission in March, and then uh, after further feedback, that will likely go to our board in uh, in April or May of this year. And the principal purpose of those changes is to bring our code in alignment with some of our management plans, like our road and trail management plan. Um, additionally, two, two uh, important items. We, in an effort to be uh, more transparent and engage the public in our planning process, um, we are, are doing some of our work planning a little differently. We are um, making our our proposed work plans, draft work plans available to the public on our website. Um, we already released our vegetation management work plan. Um, and then we are releasing our road and trail management work plan next week. And so, uh, and then those work plans will go to our uh, Parks and Open Space Commission for recommendation to our board. And the purpose of releasing that early is to give the public and community groups an opportunity to review our work plan and then we've invited uh, folks into our offices to meet with our staff and planners to further develop projects with the idea that the more input we have early on uh, helps us develop better projects overall and helps the community be a part of the process and feel like they're a part of, of what we do. Um, so. Uh, so again, that road and trail uh, management uh, planning will come uh, to our commission and then will be integrated into the budget that will come to our board in June. Um, and then the last thing to mention, we, we presented a report on our use of uh, LIDAR um, in open space roads and trails at our last commission meeting. There's been a lot of interest in uh, our use and, and speeds on our trail system and so We've made an effort to gather a lot of data through that use and uh, again with the purpose of transparency and engagement really provide uh, all of that data to the public so that they have an understanding of what's happening on our preserves. And of course it will inform our management actions going forward. So uh, that's all I have for my director's report. Questions from the group? Herbicide that you were talking about uh, on the trail? No. Oh, lidar, you mean? Lidar. It does kind of sound like an herbicide. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it's uh, like renewed it. Yes, it does. So it's it's uh, it's like radar. It's like what, uh, for assessing speed of uh, principally bicycles is what we what use it with. The initial findings on that, have you had any surprises or was it? Uh... No, so the, um, let's see if I can remember off the top of my head. 
the average speed of uh, bicycles on our trails and fire roads was 11 miles an hour. Okay. I think there were maybe four uh, bicyclists out of 54 who were measured that were above the 15 mile an hour speed limit. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, we measured 54 bicyclists, I think like two equestrians. They, ha they have to be going a certain speed to, the gen yeah. Yeah, to use the device. But, um, and we, we did it over, a, I think, maybe eight trails. Okay. And that information is available online as well? Or? The, no, the report is not currently available, but if you're interested, we can uh, forward I'd, I'd be it. interested in the copy. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll just make one general statement in terms of 40 trees down in open space. That we are currently aware of. <laughs> yes, yeah. right. Our our primary goal is is dealing with the the potentially dangerous yeah. slides and other activities. So our rangers are not out uh, checking trails <laughs> as of now. Yeah. Um, I was up at uh, Bridell this weekend. Very muddy, very wet, but holding up okay. Mm -hmm. So the rangers are doing a nice job of Good. keeping that stuff going well. My hats are off to them in this type of weather to be to be dealing with that, um, you know, keeping the land safe and keeping themselves safe in the process. So, yeah, thank you. Other questions, comments from the group? Yeah. Is there ways for the public to notify the staff when they find a tree down? So if someone's hiking and there's a tree going across, is there some way for them to know who to contact or? That's a great procedure? question. So. Um, there are a number of ways to contact us. So one is you can go on our website and we have a fillable form that goes straight to our rangers. That's probably the best way to contact us. Uh, people can also give us a phone call, um, 473-2816. Uh -huh. I think that's our ranger number. Would, would it make sense to maybe post some notices at the trailheads that if people encounter that, this is how you would notify you because I think people say oh there's a trail I don't, I don't know how to do it without having to take a lot of effort to go through the website and find it I mean sometimes during this time of year just put a laminated sign up at the trailhead saying if you encounter a downed tree please report it to this number this I, I, that I think on some trailheads that's part of the larger signage if they're a major trailhead area right it's yeah we have so many trailheads because every yeah, commu every sure. road end has a, a little yeah, trailhead yeah. that um and without sort of proliferating a lot of signs, we, we wouldn't do something like that everywhere. But I think you have a really good point. And to the greatest extent that we can invite the public to be a partner, we want to do that. Yeah. Uh, but I do think on the, on the major entrances, um, the significant ones where they've got you know, hours, rules, mm -hmm. they do have a, a section on there in terms of reporting. Um, so I think that is taken care of. It might just be as simple as occasional Facebook posts this time of year. Yeah. Just to keep That's a great point. Minds. Yeah. So, um, the downside is you don't want them over inundated with trees in the backcountry that are lower priority that they'll have to get to anyway. Yeah. We always knowing about them is great. That's yeah. Yeah. Other questions, comments? No, Thank I you, know Matt. Staff's mm -hmm. working very hard out there, and uh, it's definitely appreciated. Thank you, Max. Thank you. Uh, next item on uh, on the agenda, number six, is the uh, presentation of the compliance audit, and this is an action item. So, Kevin, can you walk us through this? Sure. So. Uh, good afternoon, committee members. Kevin Wright, Government and External Affairs. I'm pleased to uh, 
have uh, staff from Bedalia and Associates, Monica and Matesh, come up in just a minute uh, to talk about the audit report. This is the third compliance audit report that Bedalia has released, and <clears throat> this helps us to meet Measure A requirements to have an annual audit. There are actually two annual audits, one focused on us, one focused on subrecipients. And this is a, a useful tool for staff because it really is, in a way, an independent investigation each year of um, our accounting practices, how we handle Measure A funding, where the funding's going. So it's really helpful to work with the auditors each year <clears throat> and go through our books. It's also a really helpful tool, obviously, for the Oversight Committee because the two audit reports really help you to review in an efficient manner all the expenditures and look for any um, issues that there might uh, be with the handling of Measure A funding. So um, we're happy to have them back again. And I just wanted to point out one thing that while well, Bedawi has been our firm to audit um, us each year for the last three years, they have sent um, different members of their uh, field work teams each year. And so, well, you know, it's Badawi presenting. Um, actually, there are different people, different eyes looking at um, our numbers each year. So uh, mm -hmm. that's very helpful. So a best practice. So, exactly. um, And as they're getting ready, I just um, want to make a point. This was all distributed um, to the members of this commission um, well prior to the meeting. And Kevin was also available um, to the public prior to this meeting? Yes. So all of those items have been dealt with appropriately. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'm Mitesh Desai. I'm a senior manager with uh, Badawin Associates. Uh, this is Monica. She's also senior manager. Um, previously, I was the audit manager on the engagement, and this year, Monica was doing the audit, so as Kevin mentioned, we had a different team this year doing our audit. Um, Ahmed wanted to be here himself, but uh, unfortunately had a personal matter, so he sent us to go over the audit. Um, we have a brief presentation uh, to go through. Um, I'll just skip through to our agenda. So we'll be going over our engagement team this year, deliverables of the audit, and what, what we're auditing. Uh, what were our areas of emphasis when we did our audit? Our auditors' reports, the results, um, some required communications that we're supposed to make as the auditors, um, and we'll finally conclude. And if you have any questions, we'll be happy to answer them or direct them to Ahmed um, if needed. Thank you. So going over our engagement team, so Ahmed Badawi was the partner. Uh, we had a quality control partner. She's off-site. She just makes sure that we followed auditing standards. She does a fresh look of our audit report and our audit work papers. Monica was the manager. She was here supervising our audit team. We had two audit staff, um, Iris and Wenwei. We also have an IT specialist. Um, he's only, we only reach out to him when he's needed. Um, we didn't reach out to him this year. Um, it's only when you have specialized accounting software where you're able to make changes to your, the code. And, but if you're using an off-the-shelf software, we're able to audit it or do our inquiries without him. Um, our deliverables for the audit are we, audit, uh, we issued a report on Measure A compliance, so whether the county complied in all material respects with the Measure A requirements. And we also issued a report on internal control over compliance with Measure A. 
um, our areas of primary emphasis or the revenues. So you receive your revenues from the Board of Equalization and those revenues are deposited into special funds in the county's general ledger. So we made sure that the monies that you were supposed to record into the Measure A funds were actually recorded in those funds and not somewhere else. And we also performed tests of expenditures to make sure that your expenditures that were charged against those Measure A revenues were correct, um, were allowable, and didn't include any unallowable costs, which include contractor payments, grants, and also payroll allocations. Um, also, we there's an allocation percentage um, in terms of how much money is supposed to go into to be used for different purposes, so we made sure that those um, allocations were adhered to. Um, so the results of our audit were we issued an unmodified opinion on compliance, so we didn't find any unallowable costs or any material non-compliance when we did our tests. We performed our audit in accordance with the auditing standards, generally accepted auditing standards and government auditing standards, or also known as the Yellow Book. Um, Marin County Parks complied with all uh, Measure A requirements. Uh, we didn't have any control deficiencies over compliance. There are controls in place to make sure that, um, you know, that um, the costs that are charged to the program are allowable and, and revenues are correctly adhered to. And if there was any issue, those are captured timely and corrected timely. Um, so Monica was in charge of the audits this year, so she'll go over some of the financial results or in, and trends um, that happened this year. So this was the third year of the audit, so we included three years data uh, for your uh, review. Uh, during the year, fiscal year in 2016, total revenue collected was $13.5 million, and uh, total expenditures were uh, around 14 uh, Total expenditure was 10.3 10 million, 10, 10 million. So there, there has been increase in total expenditure as compared to 2015 mm -hmm. fiscal year, but it's still the expenditures were not in like less than revenue, which resulted in unspent fund balance. Um, and this has gone up from prior year, but it's still, I think, um, county is spending or doing more projects and spending more funds uh, on measure activity. So the next slide, uh, we have also broken down each program activity. So the first one is program park and open space program, which shows the total revenue was allocated to the park and open space program was 8.8 .8 million, and the total expenditure were 5.8 million. Uh, the next one, farm farmland, uh, under that, the revenue allocated was 2.6 million, and the expenditure incurred were 2.2 million. Uh, again, there is an increase in the total expenditure under this program category this year. Uh, and the last one, city and town and applicable special district program category, where revenue allocated was around 2 million, but the expenditure were 2.3 million, means the county spent more funds from prior year and distributed to the program. Um, cities and towns based on the formula uh, county has. With that, I'll give it back to Mitesh. Okay. So in general, expenditures are, were increased from prior year because I guess as um, the projects have been set up and you're going forward with your expenditure plan, you've been incurring more and more expenditures, which we will probably expect to see until um, I guess the, the Measure A funds yeah. finishes off. 
I'm just going over some required communications, not the most exciting part of the, our presentation, but um, just some just communications we're supposed to make. She and I live for that. Okay, <laughs> sure. So our, our responsibilities is to, is to do an audit and express an opinion on whether Marin County material complied with the measure A requirements, evaluate your internal controls, and evaluate the tone at the top, um, and communicate with you, the governing body. Um, management overall is responsible with compliance with Measure A. Um, we do perform tests of compliance, but that's on a sampling basis. So overall, management is responsible for ensuring compliance and establishing internal controls to make sure that the county is in compliance with Measure A requirements. Uh, management is responsible for making sure we're, we have all the financial records available to us and also complying with laws and regulations and taking corrective action when we have audit findings. So far, we haven't had any audit findings uh, to report. Uh, we're responsible to maintain our independence from the county to make sure that we have a fresh set of eyes and we're not, um, I guess, have any bias when we're doing our audit. Uh, we haven't performed any non, um, I guess, the test services or any management role services for the county other than preparing our report, which is pretty much a compilation of the audit results. Um, the timing of the audit, we were initially planned to complete our audit by November. However, the county this year changed its accounting software, which resulted in some delay, which is normally the case when you change accounting softwares and it's expected. Um, other than that, we were able to complete everything on a timely basis. Um, significant audit adjustments and unadjusted differences. This is when we have findings or audit or we have exceptions during our testing and adjustments we've made. Um, the adjustments we had were just mainly as a result of the change in the accounting software. So we had some uh, timing things where there were expenditures that were incurred that were needed to be added to the new system, which other than that, there were no um, significant audit adjustments. Uh, we're happy to report we didn't encounter any difficulties in the audit. Um, everything went as planned. Uh, we didn't have any disagreements with management, which is good. And we also have no internal control weaknesses or significant deficiencies to report as part of our audit. So internal controls, we found them to be in place and operating um, as designed. Uh, we requested certain representations from management, and that's just because it's part of our audit that management takes responsibility for uh, the accounting records and compliance. Uh, we, this, date, this letter was dated January 31st, 2017. Uh, we're not aware of any consultations or inquiries with other accountants. This is normally the case when you have a disagreement with management and management wants to get a third opinion to, to kind of settle the, the, the argument, but we didn't have any of those this year. Um, we didn't have any other uh, material communications with management other than our standard engagement letter and representation letter. Uh, we have not become aware of any fraud or illegal acts uh, during our audit. Uh, the purpose of our not audit is not to detect fraud or illegal acts. However, we are required to report them if, if they do come up to our attention. And that concludes our presentation. And I'd be happy to answer any questions or um, as much as we can. Mm -hmm. Any questions to start? 
so you all, uh, all the uh, there were no uh, outstanding material uh, deficiencies and you found the internal controls to be sufficient for auditing purposes yes. yes in terms of when we are doing our internal controls we look at controls at the top um, policies and procedures we also look at control activities such as how is payroll charged what type of reviews are in place to determine that payroll is is appropriate um, journal entries are reviewed and approved um, and anything else that we that we identify when we're doing our testing so if we do identify anything wrong when we're testing expenditures or revenues that could be an indicator of a weakness in control um, so we didn't identify any of those during our audit given that the fiscal year cuts right in the middle of the summer right when there's construction time mm -hmm. <laughs> right um, and uh, a lot of local agencies especially are doing their projects right then mm -hmm. um, do you find obviously you're catching up from one fiscal year to another so right do you find any degree of difficulty in reconciling those two things sure um, there is a timing thing I believe the county keeps two months after the end of the fiscal year open to capture any additional expenditures or late invoices that come in because any work that's done in June um, you kind of have to you don't get the invoice until July or mm -hmm. August and you'd have to record that back to the fiscal year uh, our audit is not a financial statement audit so we don't pay too much attention into you know whether the whether financial statements are fairly stated or not but we do look for that anything coded to the expenditures is for the proper time frame so if you did have a some if we did test an expenditure that was recorded as of june we and what was posted in august because of a late invoice we did still verify that it was for the proper period that we're re under review but um again our audit is not a financial statement audit so it if we were doing a financial statement <coughs> audit, we would do more procedures to determine that all expenditures were captured. So any invoices that may have been received in November or December were captured in our schedule. So our schedule is, I think this is one of our, our dis uh, discussions we had with management is whether we're, we're doing a financial statement audit, but our audit is mainly focused on, on the compliance as to whether those charges against the funds are, are appropriate. Um, while there were no material weaknesses, did right. you find any opportunities for efficiency that could have been communicated to staff? No, okay. none that, um, I mean, uh, again, we're looking at the new system. Again, that would be a, be a focus um, into how management has implemented the new system. But we're in, because of the timing of it, we were still testing from the old system. However, the, the delay was mainly because the data was being transferred to the new system. and. That was creating the delay. However, we will look at things again uh, when to see how management has imp implemented the new system. And I'm not sure if this is a question for the auditor or county staff. Um, just in terms of um, the revenue line for use of money and property, which is from mm -hmm. like investment earnings from right. previous balance, mm -hmm. um, how is that determined? Is that an actual or is it just a standard? It's what about 2.3%? Is that? Sure. I mean, I, I can double check with Kevin, but my understanding is that this is a pooled cash and investment fund where um, all the all the investments are made by the county mm -hmm. and then based on the average cash balance on a monthly basis or quarterly basis there's an allocation that's done to all Back the different the departments. departments right okay. so the funds that the measure a funds <coughs> are pretty much invested in the county's pool and then based on how much money is in the measure a fund uh, um, appropriate share of that allocation should be allocated 
to the measure A money. So that way, any interest earnings on measure A money shouldn't be, I guess, deposited into the general fund right. for unallowable uses. But we do look at that um, as part of our analytics to see whether there's a reasonable basis for that allocation interest. Yeah. Um, and then I know this has come up in previous years, and your graphs demonstrate it, that it took right. a little while for us to mm -hmm. be able to ramp up mm -hmm. um, on some of that spending. Right. Um, and we're, I think, getting to that point now, um, or making improvements on it. Right. <laughs> so, because uh, this year for revenue, um, expenses versus revenue in the mm -hmm. parks end of it, um, mm -hmm. we were at 66.8% um, as compared to previous year, 43. So it's definitely moving in mm -hmm. the right direction. Um, mm -hmm. Any concerns on allocation because the money that's sent out to city and towns and the special districts, mm -hmm. they seem to be able to hit the ground. They're smaller projects, there's less money um, that they hit in there pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so the fund balance in that section mm -hmm. um, is actually going down a little bit year over year. Mm -hmm. um, are our ratios holding up okay? And is that something that's really a multi-year projection? So. I'll say regarding the cities and towns, the figure that you're looking at in this report mm -hmm. is actually our disbursement to them. Okay. So it doesn't reflect their actual expenditures. Okay. Um, the report that looks at that in detail is actually Margie's report that we received the last meeting. And I would say that it's not perfectly similar, <clears throat> but um, somewhat, they, they sort of have a similar trend where they sort of geared up the first year or two and there was a delay in spending, and mm -hmm. now, similar to us, you can really see their spending ramping up right. on major projects. And if it's recorded based on distribution, whereas the county is actually gonna be recorded based on actual spending. So you're almost looking at an accrual versus a cash type of concept on those two, so. Right, Margie's audit of the, um, I guess her independent compliance audit of the subrecipients is similar okay. to this process. Uh, she obviously has a larger pool. They just focus on, Badawi focuses on us. Um, but she looks in detail at their expenditures and basically selects a certain sample size each year okay. to look at. Yeah. The, the only reason I bring it up is the revenue allocation is off the percentage end of the 65, 20, and 15. Right. 15% for the, for the cities and towns. Um, and the spending ratio um, for cities and towns for this past year was almost 22% um, and the year before was 30%. Now that's off of actual spending, so there was still the nest egg building up. Right. Um, but it's just as we look at future years projection, mm -hmm. um, that might end up going down on some of those. So yeah. um, I think it's just one that's kind of going to norm over time. So and I don't know if I, this is on, but I could just add, you know, I think for our own internal spending, it's something that's really ramped up even just in the last six months. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we have today is a presentation from our managers of um, the, the work they've done over the last year. And really, I mean, you know, something like $4 million worth of projects right. have happened just in the last, you know, four to six months. So I think you'll see next year really that we're able to meet that target. No, and I do see great progress on that. I think that's been one that's come up in years past of we're collecting it, we need to you know, yeah. be in the position to put those dollars to best use. Um, you know, and it's clearly reflected on this 64% increase in spending just in the parks and open space section of it over previous years. So definitely going in, in the right direction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, other questions? 
Yeah, I have one here. Uh, I think it's just my naivety. Under farmland preservation, page three, there's a general administration and financial services at 82392. Is that uh, appropriated dollars or does it come out of uh, the uh, Title A, Treasury A program? So this is the cost, uh, I think, because county provides services to measure A program transactions, like processing the transaction. I, I think this is the allocation. But as per the ordinance, uh, there, there is a limit of 5% on admin costs. So we check the admin cost allocation to make sure county is not charging more than 5% on right. to the program, and we did not find any issue with that. And, and that expenditure is 3%, so it does fall 2% under the, the cap. 2% yeah. out of? Uh, it is a 3% expenditure on that, um, and the limit is 5%, 5%. on the administrative fees. Yeah. So, yeah. And Jerry, part of what I think this expenditure includes is uh, the Board of Equalization fees that we pay. Okay. Yeah, that's um, all, yeah. That's which are basically to fund their management of yeah. the tax measure at a high level because they essentially collect the taxes and then disperse to the county. Yeah, yeah that I think he, Kevin is yeah. right, yeah. So instead of recording the net revenue on the total revenue side, revenue is grossed and then the uh, five percent. Uh, the admin fee charged by Bureau, Board of Equalization is recorded as expense. I think that is also part of admin cost here. To clarify, uh, sir, uh, when the Board of Equalization submits the the revenues for Measure A to the to the county, they also take a piece of the revenues as administration cost. Uh, that amount is provided in the de in the report um, that's given to the county. As such, they can record that amount as an expenditure versus um, so revenues. So most of the charges you're talking about uh, occur in this unit here. Right. Is that right? The administration yeah. fees? Yeah. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to note that farmland preservation um, column, um, just because of the nature of the beast on that, is going to be punctuated some years and, and really go up and down. And it's a multi-year trend that you know, a multi-year view that we've got to look at in terms of that. Correct. And Opportunities that, are not presented every every year. Right. So, yeah. And that's similar to the 20% of our Parks and Open Space funding mm -hmm. is dedicated to um, acquisitions. Right. Yeah. Other questions? Comments? So this is an action item that we need to make a recommendation that this audit moves forward. Um, so. I would so move approval of the audit report. I second. Second. All in favor? And Aye. Chair, hmm? um, Sorry. I, I apologize. Uh, you are also recommending this report to the Board of Supervisors okay. as a part of that. So very clear that we are recommending this report to the Board of Supervisors as we move it forward. So yeah. again, everybody feel good? Yeah. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstains? Thank you very much. Right. Thank you very Thank much you. for your time. Thank you, everyone. And for traveling through the wet weather to get here. Our next item is a presentation of the 2015-2016 annual report. And this is an informational item. 
that staff will present and uh, email copy of this was sent out and made available before the meeting and we also have a draft copy that's been distributed not the nice folding ones yet but uh, hence the draft <laughs> Carla do you want to pass these out it's actually kind of nice to hold these this oh, you is do have the nice it's the jet. final yep oh, okay we just received them so So I just have a few talking points and then I'll hand it back to the committee to comment on the final draft and uh, give staff any input. So we are currently budgeting for our fifth year of Measure A funding and well into our fourth year uh, of spending Measure A funds. And during the first couple of years of Measure A, we reported heavily on the immediate repairs being made, things like patching asphalt, uh, fixing irrigation and regrading fire roads. In those days, uh, we also initiated or sought to complete several plans. And uh, in a way, those plans were, uh, fell into the category of deferred maintenance because much of what had been deferred was uh, the planning to adequately manage, maintain, or replace uh, facilities over time. And uh, pre-measure A, our staff was stretched thin just addressing um, sort of daily maintenance and maintenance mm -hmm. emergencies. So fast forward to 2016 and beyond, and we now have a road and trail management plan, uh, park master plans, an inclusive access plan, engineered studies to repair bridges, a sign plan, a visitor study, and we are now using Measure A funding to build projects, improve visitor services, and address deferred maintenance in an organized and meaningful way. You'll notice this annual report is full of examples of how Measure A is addressing deferred maintenance, not just in the form of pavement repairs, but also as visitor services and information reaching all Marin residents, uh, repair and replacement of large park infrastructure, revitalizing our network of open space, roads and trails, studying our natural lands so we can uh, make better management decisions and many other examples. And if you open up your copy, there are a couple pages uh, regarding our projects I'd like to point out. The first is the strategic achievements page, which is basically our achievements by the numbers this last year, and that's a new way to organize that information. And then if you organize or you open up the page to your left, uh, you'll see some project highlights, and these are some major accomplishments this last year um, organized by project types. So as Max mentioned, we've invited our managers here today during the next uh, agenda item to talk about 2016 accomplishments. And um, I'm excited for that presentation because it's a great way to talk about the whole spread of accomplishments in 2016, which is sort of challenging to talk about in one presentation. Um, I want to appreciate Max Corton, uh, Rosemary Passantino, who you met last time, and others for <coughs> taking a fresh look at this report. And I want to point out a couple things in the financial section. If you open this all the way up, it's now in the center of your report. And first, if you notice these bar graphs, this really captures the differences between our three major budgets. Uh, the two on the left, the parks and the open space budgets, show um, expenditures that are heavy towards staff and basic supplies to sort of keep uh, continue to operate our parks and open space. As you shift into Measure A, of course, you have um, the farmland and city and town programs represented, but you also see a huge increase in projects, and these are projects that really are in addition to our capacity to 
uh, operate and maintain our parks and open space at a basic level. There's also, if you look farther down that page, uh, a pie chart above projects, and you'll see that there also um, there's a huge portion of Measure A going toward uh, the renovation of parks facilities uh, in this year. So um, since we are now several years into Measure A, we have also added a page that provides a general summary of Measure A revenues and expenditures uh, since its inception. Uh, and these basically quantify and communicate about uh, Measure A since the beginning. So you can see all three programs represented. And we're very interested in your input uh, today and over time on how to continue to communicate about the impact of Measure A over time. And uh, you'll notice um, there's a list of larger acquisition projects that have occurred uh, thanks to the 20% set aside um, under the Parks and Open Space Program. That includes the Court Madera Baylands, the Hill Ranch, and Sky Ranch acquisitions, and there are more on the way. Um, the acquisition of Bucks Landing is expected to occur in the near future, and currently there's $4.6 million um, available for future acquisitions in that reserve. Uh, I, I took a moment to compare financial tables, uh, which are similar in the reports over the last three years. And uh, we have $4 million in measure expenditures in the first year and $10.5 million by the third year, which is the year represented here. And that includes farmland and cities and towns. Uh, the pie charts that are typically found to the left of the revenue and expenditure table one multicolored one up there in the upper left. Uh, in the first year, shows 22% uh, um, of Measure A expenditures representing our total expenditures. And uh, this report, three years later, shows Measure A representing 41% of overall expenditures. Um, and so as you saw in Badawi's re report, our expenditures are increasing and they're approaching matching the amount of uh, funding coming in. Uh, across the three years, several one-time project costs show increases over uh, the three years, including uh, road and trail projects, uh, vegetation and biodiversity management projects, open space and park facility maintenance projects, visitor services, and wetland protection projects. Our newest Measure A project sign was installed at Roy's Redwoods. Um, it's getting a lot of attention, and MALT is actually currently uh, redesigning their project signs, and they'll be posting those, and those will feature Measure A as well. So those will be exciting to see. Um, as you can see from the report, MALL has also increased efforts to close easements. Uh, in the first two years, they only closed one um, acquisition of an easement with matching Measure A funds. Uh, this last year, as represented in this report, they closed three easements that the board approved matching Measure A funds for. And uh, in this current year, um, they've already approved uh, two matching grants. So MALT has really stepped it up. Currently, there's $5.6 million available for purchasing additional easements uh, in that fund. And finally, in all cases, there's a common story. Uh, in the first two years, Marin County Parks and all of our partners uh, were struggling a bit to sort of gear up. And we talked at length about this during these meetings, um, to spend this money and do planning, et cetera. And you'll find that this annual report really signals a clear departure from the early days and is a, a full strong examples of how we're spending Measure A funding. 
now we're delivering on promises we made to the voters. So thank you. Thank you. Questions, comments? I think it's very well laid out. Thanks, Brad. Really, uh, I think the public will enjoy it. How is the report distributed? Every year we uh, send personalized packets out to over 80 partners um, with several reports asking them to distribute through their listservs. Uh, it's posted online, which allows people to share electronically <laughs> really easily. Uh, we typically give presentations to the Board of Supervisors, um, the Parks and Open Space Commission, and obviously your committee. And uh, Max and I, um, even though Max was recently appointed, sort of do our own personal road shows as we meet with a variety of partners and present the report at every opportunity. Um, so that's been really helpful. I will also say that this report is extremely helpful for us. As many of you know, the department didn't really have a consistent annual report prior to Measure A. And staff going through this exercise is very helpful because we now use this report as sort of um, a, a tool to create some foundation of information that we can use in other communications. So it's not just this report that's communicating this information, but this ends up uh, sort of informing a whole host of communications for individual projects and press releases, et cetera. Is there any effort through either the department or your grantees and partners in making presentations of progress and benefits of Measure A to community constituents, people who have an interest in this um, looking back as when it was passed and looking forward to uh, the potential uh, extension of it in, in another few years. Yeah, I think I think that's something that we're very interested in and, and, and working on developing is uh, especially as we look at um, outreach around the success of Measure A and, and support for a future uh, extension, that's, um, that's definitely something that we, we want to start uh, doing more of. And, um, yeah, I, you know, there's both we're looking at developing a presentation <clears throat> and getting together a group of individuals who can would be interested in, in communicating that presentation and the other thing that we're doing is looking at working with our county administrator's office to fund some kind of video uh, to that documents the success of measure a and the and the projects and that are fund initiatives that are funded by it one one thing that we did at East Bay Regional Park District was at some point in time, you might want to consider. We had a report that went out uh, that was called "Promises Made, Promises Kept," where, where we talked about a particular measure they had passed, but it was basically broad, broadly dispersed to the public through a variety of methods. Um, so, if you ever want to look at that, I've got some info. That'd be great. Thank you. Also, sounds like a perfect video title. Yeah. Yeah, it's a perfect 
It's a perfect title for this measure. Yeah. Can we get in the weeds for a minute? Sure. Yeah. So the 14.5% park prescription participants who lowered their blood pressure, what is that? That's not exactly <laughs> worded correctly. So It caught my attention, though, so it worked. You've, you've drawn me in. <laughs> <laughs> so that number is that across all participants in that mm -hmm. program in Marin City, um, blood pressure was reduced by 14.5% okay. overall. It's a cool, I, I don't know if you're familiar with I'm that not program. With it's that a program. really neat, okay. so it's a really neat partnership between Marin County Parks and um, Marin Community Clinics and the Health and Human Services Department here mm -hmm. with the county. And what it is is um, healthcare providers actually prescribing uh, healthy park recreation and recreation programming and then following up with participants to ensure that they're taking part in those right. programs and then measuring the results from that and the amazing thing is we actually have measurable health outcome you know positive health outcomes for participants so both all in blood pressure scores around depression and what's that? diabetes and hypertension right okay yeah. And it's it's becoming more exciting because uh, we're now expanding into marine community clinics mm -hmm. to host similar programs. And thanks to Health and Human Services, they have uh, epidemiologists who are ensuring that the data collection methodology is consistent, not only across our programs, but um, in conjunction with other barrier area programs. So the end result will be probably a 100-page white paper that talks about it. but. Yeah, you know, some exciting data coming out. Well, you'll this. have an executive summary. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole, uh, as, uh, and the county's been involved in it, the Healthy Parks, Healthy People movement, so this is all part of that. But it's good to see. It's an international um, movement mm -hmm. that started in Australia, and it's good to, if, if, as you accumulate data, actually send, I've got the contact, send it to them because they, I mean, there's peop there's uh, park organizations in Nepal and Uganda and all over doing similar things. So it's, it's amazing uh, how connected uh, uh, different agencies are to this concept of healthy parks, healthy people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Other questions? No? You, you had the look like you were ready to say something. Well, I was curious about that too. So, do you have partners like Kaiser or Marin General who that you work with that they you work with their clinicians and stuff so that they prescribe this? Or actually, so far it's been the local community clinics uh -huh. that have been our most significant partners, along with Health and Human Services, which is really um, they both matched uh, community grant funding to support these programs and also brought a lot of staff capacity as sort of the backbone organization uh -huh. for organizing. Um, but we, Kaiser did recently reach out to the Institute of the Golden Gate, which has been the regional organizer of these types of programs. And Kaiser is interested in funding uh, countywide examples. And we have really risen to the top, um, both because of our success in these programs and also uh, because we're starting to be recognized, for instance, uh, in a recent County Innovation Award. So um, we are going to be talking with Kaiser in the near future, seeing if there's a relationship there. Right, yeah. I did have a question about the malt matching. So um, on the 
matching of malt. So on these three properties, measure A paid for some and then malt matched. Where does the malt matching come from? Where is, is that a separate fund? It comes from a variety of sources. Uh, Jeff Stump and his team go after uh, a variety of grants. Okay. Uh, they also contribute a significant amount of uh, like donor funding. Um, so they have an account of donor funds. And um, I think there is a recent board-approved uh, grant that was matched by significant donor funds. So it's from a few different locations. Yeah, the Measure A itself requires it to be matched 50%. Okay. If no other questions, we move on to the next item because these all start to flow. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What we have formally done, what we have done that isn't yet in print as glossy, and then what we're going to do. So I've seen your thought process, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll move on to the next item, number eight, um, presentation of department work in 2016. Yeah, so this is really exciting, um, and this is sort of looking at just sort of the calendar year of 2016 because there was a lot that was accomplished just this last summer, and so uh, we've invited all of our managers to come up here, and um, we just we have an incredible team. This is a great example. Is This is Tara, who's our, one of our senior landscape architects. Uh, Steve Petterly, who's our principal landscape architect, couldn't make it today. So she is standing in, but she's just um, outstanding. And I think we just have an incredible staff of people who are creative and um, energetic and just really uh, doing amazing work. So I think we're really lucky to hear from Tara to start us off. Wow, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, I'm pinch hitting, that's for stepping in today. Uh, so I had very brief amount of time to prepare for this, so I, if I stumble, my apologies, but hopefully I'll give you a good uh, overview of what we've been up to. Uh, so regional park and uh, master plans, uh, we've been really busy with this. Um, we've developed four uh, park master plans, three in the past uh, year plus. Uh, one was completed in 2009. I'll get to that one. Uh, but we'll start with uh, Stafford Lake Master Plan. Um, this has been a really amazing project. This is uh, still getting a little bit of work before it goes for uh, public review for its initial study, um, and then we'll go to the board. Uh, but this one's still under work. One of the major components uh, of the project, of the master plan project that has kind of come from this is the bike park. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, it's pretty exciting. and. I'll probably talk too much about it because I work directly on this project. Um, and it has been a really amazing uh, piece and addition to the park system. One of the elements uh, is the kids flow trail. So I guess I should go back. Uh, phase one was completed in 2015. And this year we completed phase two. Phase one was kind of uh, a bigger part of the project and phase one was a smaller portion with more uh, kids oriented elements. And so now we have pieces for everything from the expert to the kids with more focus on kids because uh, we the, they're the ones we want to get yeah. uh, involved in, in riding and, uh, and really have it a family affair. Uh, this was another part of uh, phase two that happened this summer that is uh, open. Um, not today, but <laughs> it is open. 
uh, where we had <coughs> prefabricated skill structures. And again, this is for kids and, and adults. And uh, I won't play the video for you uh, just for uh, time's sake. But uh, there's some actually great videos online uh, of showing uh, how kids and families are using this. And it's been really wonderful. This was a, a pump track that we redid this summer as well that has been uh, received with overwhelming success and a, and a uh, partnership between the Friends of Stafford Lake Bike Park, um, which has actually, they've raised well over $750,000 through donations and sponsorships to fund this project. So just the bike park itself is not a Measure A project, but it is uh, a project that the park is very much, the Parks Department is working on and um, maintenance funds are being uh, spent from Measure A on that. Um, one of the elements that this is uh, a project that the parking lot, which is the bike park, as you can kind of see in the top of the screen there, uh, this is increased uh, parking for the Stafford Lake Park. We've added a restroom. There's ADA parking. Uh, it's really kind of created a much more welcoming environment and experience for people using not just the bike park, but disc golf. And the future expansion based on the master plan to the other side of the, the park. So it's, it's been, um, this is, it just is completed. We have a couple finishing touches, which when the weather lets up, we'll finish. Uh, this is just uh, the restroom enclosure. One of the other new projects that will come from the master plan is the Strider Trail. So from the bike park, we really discovered that there's a much greater need and we had a, a, an event when we opened the first phase of the bike park in this part of the park, and everybody kind of stood back and go, this is an amazing location, let's do something. And so again, building on kids and families, uh, we've, we're in the design process, of, we're in design development right now um, for creating a strider park. So striders are like the little things they kind of kick and push on, there's no pedals. Uh -huh. um, it's a big deal. If you go to San Francisco, they have a big event like the Strider I, Championship. I just never knew what they were called. Yeah, the yeah. Striders. Um, and so this is a playground. And, and Stafford really doesn't have a lot of playgrounds. We have one that I'll show you here in a second. Um, but this is in, um, encompassing a playground, a shade structure, some tracks, little features. So it's kind of everybody can camp out here, have a picnic. We have ADA parking. And you can watch the other crazy people because I don't ride over there, on the other side of the, the park. So it's, it's another exciting project that's coming up for us. This is a new playground. Uh, this was a playground that was existing at Stafford, um, the site anyway, that it was old, it was made out of recycled plastic wood, it was, became unsafe. And so we took it out and we installed this new, uh, it's black locust, it's, re, it's a very renewable, sustainable wood product um, and really durable. And I think this is one of the first, or if not the first of this in California. Um, and so this was installed and this has also become a really big hit. Uh, this was opened a couple months ago. McNear's Beach Park, uh, the master plan is actually out for public comment right now um, and will be so for the next three weeks. Uh, that, let me go back to that, that project has been, um, will involve once we um, 
secure about $40 million to uh, realize this project. Uh, it would really give a facelift to improving all the, the structures on, on, on McNear's, especially the pool area, um, which is very popular, really reconnecting the public to the waterfront, uh, creating a pedestrian spine along the, the north-south axis of the, of the park, and really just giving this, this park new life, because it's a fantastic spot if you have not been there. Of course, then there's always the things that aren't as fancy and exciting to look at, repaving projects. Um, this has been, uh, this is at McNear's. We uh, spent $350,000 to repave the entryway to the park. Uh, it was much needed, um, and it really it makes for just a pleasing and, and instant, uh, how do I say this? It's you see it. The public comes in like, wow, they repaved the road, and it's, it's, you see it even though it's, it's not as uh, exciting as a new pool. Uh, McNear's pier improvements, this was as a result of the barge hitting the pier, uh, where a lot of time was spent looking at the top of the pier. Well, after the barge, we looked underneath the pier, and the pier was, in, um, de was deteriorating, and so a current project was to go underneath and uh, kind of like going to the dentist, ship away the cavities and polish things up and then patch, patch the, uh, the rebar and the um, areas uh, back to their original state. Paradise Beach Park. This park has also been master planned and, and it will be out for public comment on Monday uh, for 30 days. This is addressing ADA access and getting people down to the water because currently it's very uh, difficult to get to the water for uh, accessibility requirements and again reconnecting people to the water but also uh, addressing the fact that or um, that this is a passive park and really making sure that we uh, respect that. The waterfront connection, this is a rendering of what the designers uh, working with us uh, have kind of envisioned for the master plan. Um, there's a large retaining wall that you can kind of see in the background. That actually is a project that we're starting, not to that degree, but there's a we have to retain that wall because we had or that slope because there was a slide, and that's a project that we are going to be undertaking, and we're in design uh, at this moment. This is the seawall. This is actually, if we go back, kind of to the left on the other side of the pier um, is a project that is in construction documents. We are working out the final details with uh, sea level rise issues, um, but and uh, we are estimated that's about $3 million project, 3 to $5 million project, uh, which has not yet been funded. Uh, McNear's master plan, this was a master plan from 2009. This project is in construction document stage. Uh, which will involve increasing the multi-use fields, uh, realigning the roadway, adding a new playground, or adding a playground, I should say, uh, a dog park, a formal dog park, and some other improvements. Um, this project we put in a grant for a million dollars for uh, the soccer fields, and we um, estimate about $15 million to complete the project. Uh, so this is, this is not yet funded as well, but we're moving forward with construction documents. Other things we've been up to is replacing 
park furnishings throughout the parks. Uh, we're doing this out of, at a phased um, effort. <coughs> um, we've been working on creating new restroom enclosures. This is in Stinson. Uh, that's a very popular area, if you are not aware. Um, Lagoon Park Facility, this is also Mag uh, McGinnis Park Facility, which are for our staff. These structures are, one's 20 and the other's 35 years old. One has a drain, actually, when you wash your hands in the sink, the water just shoots out the back of the building, so it doesn't really meet code. Uh, so right now we are, uh, we've put it out to bid, we have a contractor, and we're waiting for the weather to uh, break so we can start construction. Creekside Culvert, this is an $800,000 project that we've worked with uh, DPW on. Uh, these are huge culverts to help increase the tidal flow into Creekside Marsh. Um, and I believe that is completed. That is not one of my projects yep. completed. Okay. Um, we also undertook widening the Corte Madeira Creek Pathway, uh, the Novato Bike Path, which connects to Stafford Lake Park from downtown or from Novato, uh, and um, improving the retaining wall and also repave. Uh, along with uh, protective fencing. This is a kind of a <coughs> unique little project that we worked with DPW. Um, it's a Coastal Conservancy grant that funded a citizen science-based project to uh, um, engage the public and their, uh, and with sea level rise and to have them take photos. And so this is out on the Sausalito Mill Valley bike path, which is underwater. I believe <laughs> at the moment. So I wonder where it falls <coughs> on, the, on the post. Another fun project that we undertook was Pueblo Park art uh, wall over in Santa Venetia where we enlisted the help of an artist and she worked with about 50 community members to uh, tile a wall and we used uh, um, birds and, and habitat in the, the surrounding marsh. It's beautiful, and I wish I could have pieced all the photos together so you could see the entire, entire wall. Uh, we've also been involved with uh, engaging the public, and, and this was an example of where uh, park staff, we all went out and created stations around the park to get, uh, this was for CSA 17, but to get the public's input on what do they want to see in their parks. You know, what, what would you like to see? And so we were engaging the public, but. That's just an example of another. We're not just drawing and building, we're also out working with the people and getting their input. And that's all I have. Uh, any questions? So, yeah, maybe we can have Carl come up and then at the end, we can do questions. Is questions that, for, does that sound good? Does that sound fine for everybody? Yeah. Okay. We'll just have to keep our notes. Yeah. <laughs> You can jump in with questions too in the in the middle if you want. Okay. Afternoon, committee members. So the 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 numbers, the statistics, I think are in the packet that you have. So I won't really. I'll try not to belabor the metrics of this too much, and instead focus on the stories if I can, and then still go quickly. So I'm going to run through the program of work, the road and trail program of work from last summer. Um, it was an ambitious program of work. It's probably fair to say maybe the most ambitious program of road and trail improvement projects maybe the district has ever, ever undertaken. Uh, but on the other hand, maybe the 
less ambitious than every year from here on out, right? I mean, we're still in the process <laughs> of ramping up to meet the challenge presented by Measure A. Uh, we currently have one uh, fully equipped and staffed road crew and a, roughly two uh, equipped and staffed trail crews and uh, a, a large complement of seasonal labor. And then over time going forward, we may even be uh, supplementing that with contract work too. But anyway, so the first project we got to talk about here is the Contra Trail Complex. Uh, it's actually several trails, uh, pre-existing trails, a combination of trails that had been previously designated and managed about 20 years ago, but then were destroyed by slides. <coughs> Uh, old skid roads that had been informally improved and were being used as backcountry uh, bike riding trails, unauthorized bike riding trails. Uh, we we designated uh, a total of uh, nearly three miles, actually, of new, newly designated official trail in the western portion of Gary Giacomini last summer. Uh, before we did that, though, we had to go out and implement uh, significant improvements to those existing, previously existing facilities. Uh, you know, this, this is actually in the immediate watershed. Um, there, there are salmonid bearing streams in this area. So one of the, one of the key components of these projects and improving these uh, to open them up for public, formal public use, designated public use, was to reduce the amount of sediment that these facilities are generating and depositing into the salmonid bearing streams. Um, this is closer to where we are right now. This is in our Camino Alto open space preserve. Uh, actually at the southern end of Camino Alto Open Space Preserve, just above Mill Valley, uh, kind of above a golf course in Mill Valley. Um, so there's a half a mile of newly improved trails. Basically what this is, this is an area that until five or six years ago was completely choked uh, and in completely impenetrable actually with uh, invasive broom and other weeds. Uh, we went in, did really aggressive, uh, a really aggressive project to clear out the understory um, and then that's then created an opportunity to go into this area. Again, it's historically really disturbed. Mm -hmm. It's the overstory is, is, is high value redwood uh, habitat, but the understory was historically very disturbed and we were able to go in and pick out little, what, what back in Arkansas we used to call pig trails, uh, through that underbrush and on the basis of those trails improve another half mile or so of bike designated trails. Uh, and then in the process I'll sh actually then decommission a uh, relatively dense network of some of those pig trails that were left over that we actually were not going to bring into the system. So on balance, reducing the density of that network there. Uh, this is a, what we're calling the Octopus Trail connector. It's not a very long trail. It's the northern end of Camino Alto, so on the Cordovadera and Larkspur side of Camino Alto Open Space Preserve. This is in a key bottleneck of our entire preserve system. Uh, this is an area that brings together people Moving from between Mill Valley and and Quartermadera and Larkspur, and on the one hand, and then and then and then on the other side of the east side of 101, people coming from those neighborhoods in Quartermadera and Mill Valley across, you know, Camino Alto, um, up into the Blythedale Ridge Complex, going up on Mount Tam. So it's really a major four-way intersection. Uh, the reason this is called the octopus actually is because so many people come from so many different directions had generated what actually looked like, mm -hmm. you know, a massive octopus or or kind of wagon wheel uh, system of trails. And in this project, we went and we defined uh, a relatively well. A, a, we defined a sustainable connection through this key bottleneck area 
and then decommissioned everything then that was that was remaining and are working actually since we've opened this new connector to keep the other alignments closed. This is probably in terms of you know time, effort, money all together probably our big, well our biggest trail project last year. It's the old railroad grade trail. Uh, this is in Baywood Canyon. Um, in our Loma Alta open space preserve. So if you're hitting up Sir Francis Drake, uh, leaving Fairfax just before you get to the top of the grade and enter the valley, this is just off down there in, in the Baywood Canyon. This is actually colloquially called the plunge. There was an old, uh, the trail here follows an old railroad grade alignment. And actually here in the, there's a, there's a gulch, there's a gulch here, a gorge, where four ephemeral streams come together and in the old, old days, there was a wooden railroad trestle bridge that got the train across this gorge. That burned down a long time ago. And since then, it's in, in the interim then, it was a very dangerous uh, steep on both sides, highly erosive, rutted uh, connection that crossed all four of these little ephemeral drainages and down to the bottom of the biggest one here and then up the other side. Um, there's an equestrian facility nearby, but for several decades, actually, the horses haven't used the crossing very much just because it is so dangerous. And, and, and you've got to be a pretty hardy soul, even on a bike, to have gone through, that, gone, gone, gone through that crossing. This is another key bottleneck area, major connection point across in the whole preserve system, moving people from north to south across the Francis Drake. Um, so you can see here, we, we went in, built a really nice bridge at the bottom of it, decommissioned uh, the old trail that was that did that did go down so steeply up above and put in jute matting and erosion control measures this will all revegetate probably actually is in the process of revegetating right now uh, we'll be coming back and monitoring uh, for invasive weeds and then you see the more sustainable new trail alignment that's along there on the right on the left hand side so uh, in Roy's Redwoods this actually was a project that took us two or three years of pecking away at it to get it finally accomplished uh, we went in, this is the Roy's Redwood Loop, uh, so the southern end of the loop kind of skirts the golf course here in, in, in San Geronimo Valley. Uh, we replaced one bridge uh, with a larger bridge and then installed five new bridges across ephemeral streams. This is the, the, the previous condition here was really muddy, seasonally impassable, uh, rutted trails that have now been made much more uh, environmentally sustainable. Again, just like the, the projects in the Gary Giacomini Open Space Preserve to improve the, the Contra Trail complex, the, the sediment generated by these trails ends up eventually in some honored bearing streams. So reducing the sediment here was really high priority, uh, but also in the process really making this a much more comfortable um, year-round user experience for the equestrians and pedestrians that are using this area, using this trail loop. Good afternoon, Michonne Martin, Chief of Natural Resources and Science Program. Um, our program, we wear a number of hats at the Natural Resources team, and uh, sort of going in line with uh, Tara's team and what Carl just presented, um, one of the biggest hats that we wear um, is doing science and monitoring on a project basis for a lot of the projects that you saw in the past few slides. Um, the natural resources team is almost entirely funded through Measure A um, dollars, so it's really important that we were able to begin doing a lot of this work in-house. 
Uh, we do all, mostly all of the biological assessments for a lot of the road and trail projects that you, that you were seeing there that Carl was showing in terms of looking at what's on the land ahead of time and being able to make decisions, science-based decisions, and, um, and avoid impacts where we can. We also do a lot of um, larger landscape-level monitoring. Uh, our Wildlife Picture Index is part of a larger Marin-wide program of all the other uh, Marin public land management agencies, and we're collecting some incredible data on wildlife. This is our uh, second year now that we're doing this. Uh, it's meant to be baseline information, but it's, it's giving us incredible information about what animals are doing on our land and across our lands beyond our borders at different times of year. Uh, the other part of that is we, we also are fortunate enough to have preserves that have incredibly rare plant species and plant communities, and so we take, um, we have a team that goes out and monitors these rare plants and identifies these populations to make sure that they're still healthy and doing well. Um, we also have a research grant program that we've started um, through Measure A, and we give out two um, small research grants focused at academic institutions and universities to really attract science um, research to our open space preserves uh, and parks to, to, to tell us more about um, our management and how we're, how we're doing and collect information about the, the natural uh, ecosystems and processes on our land. The other big part of what we do is uh, vegetation management. Um, I stole this slide from our chief of fire. He can't seem to give me any pictures without flame in them. So <laughs> this is from our fire chief. Um, and although uh, huge catastrophic wildfires aren't common in Marin, I think we all can remember you know, the Vision Fire across the bay, the Oakland Hills Fire, that our preserves, our 34 preserves, are really right up next to the communities. We have approximately 3,400 backyards that are adjacent to our preserves. So it's, it's a really important part of our, of our mission and our work to help uh, work with the communities and the fire service agencies to create defensible space around these homes that are adjacent to our lands. Um, and we, the natural resources team takes that on so that we can make smart decisions around uh, where we're removing native vegetation and making sure that they're not overrun with weeds and, um, and that we're not taking out intact plant communities. The other big part of why we are uh, managing vegetation and uh, mainly our invasive species is that uh, one of our critical uses is to protect local agriculture. We have a, a couple of, of um, species that are real bad actors that are rated uh, A and B at the state level, and these are invasive species that if not controlled on our land could escape and really ha wreak some havoc on our local agricultural community. So, uh, we take that very seriously. And then, of course, uh, a lot of our work is around protecting the biological diversity that we are learning about and um, hopefully um, maintaining. We're using a bunch of new innovative methods. Goats aren't entirely new, but I love this picture because Max the llama there in the front who is there to just, he doesn't do a lot of vegetation. Yeah, Max, we didn't name him. <laughs> he came that way, sorry. Um, I didn't even think of that. Um, but he's there to protect them from mountain lions and coyotes, the small little goats. But the goats are a great way. Uh, this slide was just to remind me that we do a lot of uh, new innovative techniques uh, so that we can limit the use of herbicides in our vegetation management program of mulching and steaming and tarping and solarization and that sort of thing. 
Uh, we also use a lot of conventional methods. We partner with, or we work a lot with the uh, Conservation Corps, the local Conservation Corps here in Marin, uh, bringing underserved youth onto our lands, uh, giving them great work skills, and at the same time uh, doing a lot of vegetation management work for us. It's a great, great uh, project partner. And then, of course, we do a lot of community engagement. Uh, again, because our preserves are right down next to the communities, we uh, are able to bring in lots of school groups, uh, lots of local community groups to really teach them what we value and why our preserves are so valuable, even though it might just be somewhere where they go and take their dog for a walk behind their backyard, but to really teach them the importance of, of maintaining the, and stewarding our lands. And then the, the last big thing that our team focuses on is um, habitat restoration projects. We've had a lot of habitat restoration that is occurring right now. One of our biggest projects is um, looking at climate change adaptation at our Bolinas Lagoon. Many of you know Bolinas Lagoon is a wetland of international importance, and this project that we're focusing on this year is um, at the back end of the, of the lagoon and looking at reconnecting the hydrologic function to two fish-bearing streams. It's a really, really uh, neat project. We also have smaller projects. Uh, now, thanks to Measure A, we have a wildlife component on our team. This is uh, us. We found a, a special status turtle at our Pacheco Pond up in Nevada that we didn't know existed on our lands before. This is us hauling a, a basking log out to the middle. Uh, this is a real popular dog area, and this way the turtles can bask on the logs sort of um, unfazed. And then uh, up at our Mount Burdell Preserve up in Novato, we have one of the, we have the largest vernal pool, upland vernal pool in all of Marin County. Uh, we did a large restoration project, real successful restoration project this year and brought out a lot of community members and other agencies um, who were looking at our techniques here. This vernal pool has a, has a really cool rare buttercup that, that floats um, on the top of the surface of the water in the spring. It's, it's incredible to go see. And then, of course, um, going back to sort of the road and trail projects that Carl showed you, a lot of times our team is there at the beginning to salvage plants and um, before when we go in to open up the trails or reroute the trails, and then we work with other um, agencies and organizations to go back out um, and, of course, the community to replant those areas and restore them back to their, their native components. This was a real exciting project that we did this year, uh, attracted a lot of um, positive attention. We have a rare plant on our Tiburon Peninsula that is found nowhere else on Earth. And typically, we were making sure that the plant um, didn't get any, that it just maintained its existence and it was actually taking pretty big hits. So we worked with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and some researchers out of Mills College to expand this population or attempt to expand this population up at our Ring Mountain Preserve. So this is, this is the first time that our agency has ever been able to, to do an endeavor like this. So we're really excited about that. And then we couldn't have done any of these without all of our partners. I just mentioned the, the rare plant jewel flower that we partnered with the Fish and Wildlife Service and Mills College. Um, most of our habitat restoration, we're um, partnering either leveraging our funds to get grant dollars or working with other organizations around the Bay Area to help out and, and engage the community on our work. And then, of course, um, one of our biggest and most successful partners this year has been the One Tam Collaborative. Um, I'm sure, Kevin, you've probably had presentations with them, but is, this has been a huge shot in the arm for not only us, but all the public land management agencies in Marin, uh, working together ourselves with the Marin Municipal Water District, State Parks, the National Park Service, and the Parks Conservancy to really um, leverage each other's dollars, but to work together across a broader landscape and look at the health of our lands and to improve the health of our lands. And we've 
this has really um, increased our capacity uh, significantly. So I'll leave it at that. And Tina, if you want to go from there, I'll cue you up. If nobody minds, I might stand up here. I got a bum knee and this weather is killing me. Um, good afternoon. My name is Tina Torreson, communications manager. I've met m most of you, but not everyone. And let me backtrack real quick regarding uh, your question about noticing uh, so at, at, at the trailheads when trees are down. Social media, though everyone's not on it, has been an incredible tool. If you look at just this month alone with the, with the storms, we're really using it in, in numerous ways to inform the public proactively and then kind of amplify all the other agencies, whether it's schools being closed or emergency alerts, uh, Ross Valley, Flooding, if you take a look at, at the tweet storms that have been going on during the storms, it's been fantastic. And using Nextdoor in areas when we have time to let folks know of trail problems, it's, it's quite, uh, quite impressive. We're getting reach out to 30, 40, 50,000 people. So we do have uh, ways to reach them when we can, as well as show snapshots of what the rangers are doing to expand kind of, uh, you know, in the newspaper you see a lot of the story about use issues. We use social media and these kinds of presentations to show the 99.9% .9 of the time of what, what, what's really going on out there and what we're doing as a staff. So just to backtrack to that, um, excuse me. Excited to be here today uh, to describe the communi communications team major accomplishments for 2016 and to kind of speak to something that Kevin had said throughout his presentation, that uh, message of gearing up. Prior to 2012, the communication team was me. <laughs> and uh, since that time, we have grown, all thanks to Measure A, whether it's direct or support of, uh, supportive projects or staff. At first, we joined forces with the environmental education team to kind of you know, bring as many minds together and work on our projects as, uh, in the best way possible. And since that time, in the last couple of years, we've added communications and graphic design professionals. So you're seeing more enhanced reports, you're seeing what I'm about to uh, uh, show you next, uh, more social media, website updates, not just once a week, but five, six times a day, depending on what the project is. So we, are real, we have geared up to finally answer that fire hose of work and, and get public information out there in a timely fashion. The first thing I want to highlight is our uh, seasonal program guide, um, kind of dial back the the calendar to January, um, we uh, began planning and launching this program guide and its distribution, it, we use a, <clears throat> we, dis we distribute it through the Marin IJ, so we're able to reach upwards of 90,000 people online and electronically. Um, it's very simple uh, structure to it, it's just a, a, a bifold, four pages, and it has consistent information and fun information, so each and every time we we send this out, um, winter, spring, summer, fall. We're able to share information, a uh, message from the director that, that lets folks know what we have upcoming, what our, what our projects and initiatives are for the season. There's a, a, a section in there for events, and then there's fun facts to find out what to go and see, uh, what events to attend this upcoming season. Um, it's been a, a great source of outreach for us, it's, it was that active, it's an active piece versus some of our other pieces which might be, you know, at a, at a tabling event sitting, sitting on, a, on a table or our website which you have to come out 
and you, the individual has to find for for this piece for going out and reaching the public, getting our brand out there, letting them know what we're doing with Measure A and everything else. Um, halfway through the year, we we uh, had we made some time to create the Spanish version of this, which we're now just testing and prototyping and finding the best kind of format and distribution channels. But it's being very well received. We're using it in combination with our Parks uh, RX program, getting it into the uh, community clinics, working with Kaiser, um, going down in the going down in the canal, um, use, uh, uh, distributing at Mi Pueblo. Um, all of the local areas where folks get together, have a cup of coffee, get donuts. It's, it's been fantastic, very well received. And each time it goes out, you can see bumps in uh, new attendance at each and every one of our events for the first six weeks. It's, it's been really good. I want to go to the next. So, um, <clears throat> so this, the, the sign plan, uh, as Kevin mentioned, um, this is one of the plans that 2016 has seen much accomplishment. This one has been in the planning pipeline for a while, um, but 2016 has, has been the year of getting design finalized um, and kind of beginning to transition the project off into implementation and construction development, working closely with our operations staff and our landscape architecture team, who um, pretty soon here will be taking over lead of the implementation this coming year. Um, there are four slides here to kind of just show the the entire family, and why don't you stay here on this one first? Oh, sorry. Second, Michonne, to kind of go back to that. Uh, uh, here is how we, if you look at the lower part of that sign, there is a temporary notice board. That's going to be yet another way where we can ha have an opportunity to provide information to the public, whether it's a down tree or, or hazard or a program that's coming up. But uh, to back up from that, so. The sign plan is a massive project. We've got 250 miles of road and trail. We've got 20,000 acres of land between the parks and open space. We've got 75 total facilities, uh, parks and 34 open space preserves. So that's a lot of, lot of area, a lot of different types of facilities to address. We, um, the, the goal of the sign plan has been to, for the first ever time in the department's history, create a cohesive visual experience for the public, a welcoming experience that provides public information, education, as well as encourage the best behavior. Um, this, uh, so there's two families that you'll see up here. This has jumped into, into parks, um, but the, these are the primary entry signs. Um, there are identity signs, there's, skip to the next one, uh, monument signs for the parks, um, and, oh. Sorry, I thought there was more, you were, no, sorry, um, <laughs> sorry. So basically for both, for both system, we've got the 85% of the family done, and that includes the entries, includes bigger monuments, includes identity signs, and hazard signs, and temporary mechanisms that allow us to, in a professional standard way, um, provide information about ha uh, hazard, hazardous, uh, hazardous, and, <coughs> excuse me, hazardous conditions and enclosures. Um, so, as I said earlier, this is now transitioning into the implementation phase. So, we are looking at this at the upcoming months to start getting these things installed in the ground, um, addressing open space first, um, and bringing the monument signs to all of four regional parks. 
and uh, multi-use pathways where we have significant um, use, especially Mill Valley, Sausalito, Corte Madera Creek. And then uh, show the go forward. So the um, this the last these last two slides kind of highlight the environmental education team, and I would be remiss if I didn't uh, call out as one of our proud accomplishments for 2016 is the fact that David Herlocker won the Terwilliger Environmental Educator Award. And you can see, well, the backside of David in that picture. <laughs> uh, we've been lucky to call him our own for the last 20 years. Thanks to Measure A, though, we were able to supplement that, the, our, uh, our environmental education program and bring on Shannon Burke. At first, our focus in those first couple years after Measure A was expanding our programs to everybody. And once, once, we were, once we were able to get a, a, a good fair amount of programs going all throughout Marin, our focus next was addressing underserved communities. And for David and Shannon to leverage their, their, their assets, that was working to develop what we call the new senior stroll program and providing true accessible hikes and walks. It's kind of leveraging all the other work that we're doing in the department with partners, with Park uh, RX program, with Measure A community grants. Now that we had all of those relationships built, we were able to create these series of walks. It started in 2015, um, prototyping some different walks. And then in 2016, it really, it, it, we increased it. We're doing one to two uh, walks a month in combination with Marin Conservation League. Uh, using all of our distribution tools online, as well as um, on, <clears throat> as well as directly through some of the senior support centers, uh, the the response has been fantastic. These are getting upwards of 20 to 35 folks. We're needing both both uh, naturalists to to go on each and every one of these. We're able to do you know two two different groups at a time. Um, it's been uh, been one of our most uh, most proud programs of this last year. Thanks. Thank you. You all hear from me a lot, so I'm going to fly through these. Uh, so we manage over 30 grantees through Measure A, and I wanted to give a quick nod to our administrative team. Um, Carla is one of those team members. And they do an extraordinary job behind the scenes and never get to sit up here and really talk much about themselves. And it's difficult to describe um, the huge amount of work that they do in support of all the projects you just heard about. Um, but we really appreciate their support. Uh, they help with a huge number of tasks from budgeting um, to contracting, handling accounts payable and receivable, uh, the annual audits, it just goes on and on. Um, they help us with our board items. So we really appreciate their support. We have 20 equity-focused visitor and uh, employment initiatives, which is a huge increase from a couple of years ago. And these are really focused on getting uh, people of all ages out into our parks, especially those that aren't traditional park users. Um, this has been an area that Measure A has really enhanced, where it's not just the community grant program anymore, but it's a whole range of programs, including park prescriptions. Um, that are really targeted outreach strategies uh, to engage folks. And um, they, they are really, uh, as you'll notice in the annual report, uh, yielding uh, positive numbers. And um, it's very positive for thinking about 
the next Measure A campaign because we now have so many more residents with um, positive associations with open space and parks um, who will be park supporters. Visitor research, you received a presentation about our uh, visitor study, and we're actually, uh, we now have a team of five uh, seasonal staff members who are out there full-time collecting data over the next nine months to complete a full year's data um, collection effort. This has been a huge benefit to our department in shaping policy, how we manage our lands, and to inform our conversations about who's out there and to really understand uh, from the mouths of our visitors what their experience is like and what their interests are. Um, originally, we did the visitor study to uh, inform our interpretive plan, um, but really the purpose of this research has really expanded and we've been thinking, we've really recognized the importance of research uh, in a variety of ways. Uh, Michelle mentioned one TAM, our partnerships continue to grow and develop uh, from youth internships to the roving ranger to uh, dozens of volunteer days per year. One TAM is a huge benefit to our department and really uh, brings a significant match in both labor and funding to Measure A. Uh, and I brought two items. One, uh, this is the second annual report that One TAM has released and this is just full of uh, numbers similar to our annual report of what's been accomplished this last year. This uh, other brochure is probably the most significant accomplishment of One TAM to date, and that is bringing together over 60 scientists throughout the Bay Area to create a baseline assessment of the health of Mount TAM um, so that moving forward we can really understand the impact of our individual departments and our science initiatives and also this collaboration as a whole. So um, this, is, this document communicates really well. You can see it's sort of broken out into different categories and it's fun to look through. And then finally, uh, we work closely with Doug Houston and a variety of other partners to monitor legislation and also look for funding opportunities coming out of Sacramento. And most recently, we were awarded a $500,000 grant to support the McInnes Marsh, Marsh restoration um, from the State Coastal Conservancy. So, and then I thought Max could end on this beautiful slide of our staff and say something inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> How about we just open it to questions? That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get them together all at once? Then? It was a mandatory meeting. <laughs> <laughs> With food. Yeah. But you didn't bring the llama. So. Um, questions from the group? Yeah, Kevin, what was the source of the grant, the 500000 The State Coastal Conservancy. Why don't we start with you, Roger? Okay, well, just fantastic work. It's, it's exciting to hear about it. Um, I just want to emphasize how important the, the interpretive program is. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to have physical plants, but in this time of sort of scarce budgets, that's usually the first thing to go, and, and Measure A is giving us <coughs> um, an incredible program there. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sort of a park fan, you know, I like to go to parks all over, and I, sometimes I get like park envy, you know, you go to Yosemite and you see Bridal Veil Falls, and you say, well, Carson Falls is nice, but not quite, you know, up to that, but our interpretive program is, is you know, stands up against anyone, and um, we have some incredible people, uh, David Herlocker is just 
world class. Uh, I didn't think you could ever find someone equaling him, but Shannon is, Burke is coming up, um, and each in their own way, they do just great work. We're very happy to have them. And the Ranger staff was also very good in interpretation. So those are, those are really highlights. Um, I have a few questions. Um, for Carl, on, on the um, issue of what you call pig trails or social trails or informal trails, um, do you have the, the resources to, to monitor um, them sufficiently? And do you, do you have a handle quantitatively about you know, are we winning that battle or are we losing that battle? Um, you know, in a net cumulative way, are we reducing those trails or are they, they proliferating? Uh, we'll start with your second question. Yes, absolutely. I think we're, we're logging success. I mean, that's actually one of the more tangible ways that you could say that the RTMP has been very successful. We went out this summer and closed, you know, a, a social trail known as the kneecap trail, which is an egregious um, and environmentally harmful uh, scar on the landscape and you know it had been there for a long time and it had a real constituency that was attached to it and that trail is staying closed and we have the backing of the bicycling community at least the mainstream the largest majority of the bicycling community in keeping that trail closed that wouldn't have happened four or five years ago if we'd gone out I mean you know you take the older attempts many years ago to try to close down really high profile social trails they just melted into you know chaos and it ended up reflecting even worse on us and bogging us down further we weren't able to make those management decisions stick and we absolutely can now so to go back to your first question i mean do we have the resources to monitor it yeah i mean i think as we've implemented these projects we've actually developed uh, i think a, a a pretty cool monitoring pro protocol and actually i don't want to go into too great a detail about it because it actually compromises the the you know the results that we get <laughs> if we describe too specifically what we do, right, to go out and follow up and watch, what's, what, watch what happens when we walk away. But we absolutely are watching and we're measuring and we're logging our success. And, you know, additionally, <clears throat> we're, we're getting a lot better at, and we have a lot more bodies out there patrolling our preserves. The number of new uh, illegally constructed trails is way down where it was before we started the road and trail management planning process. You know, we could easily have had a dozen trails popping up in a year previously. In 2016, we had three new trails partially constructed that were immediately decommissioned and stayed decommissioned. So I think it's, a, it's an incredible success. Yeah, that's r real important. Um, and then, Michan, I, I just had a... Well, a, well why, don't we, um, why don't we, since they're going to have to rotate off a microphone, we'll... We'll just, I think, be more efficient if any questions for Carl. We can just have Carl there. Yeah, absolutely. And we can rotate yeah. around between us. Um, with that said, are there other questions for Carl from, from the group? Um, I, I just want a point of clarification. Being a native Californian, I believe Deer Trail, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, okay. right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure on that. Um, a couple of the slides that you showed, um, you know, Joe and I had actually had the pleasure of going through and looking um, at some of those projects, um, and they were monumental undertakings and they do look beautiful um and the way they turned out so well, well thank you and i'll those. right and i'll pass that along to our our, our crews and stay tuned because mm -hmm. the there's even bigger and more impressive things mm -hmm. to come thank um you. on the subject of the deer trails um pig trails the social trails um i've been able to go through and in, in my outings and see some of the ones where you've decommissioned um 
I think you guys have done a very nice job on that, um, and I think compliance is is higher than it used to be because there's educational signs put up on why that is taking place. You get the buy-in from the community, um, and it seems to be very effective uh, in terms of those areas that I go through week after week, month after month, where where it is seems to be working. So, um, so okay. I think we're on the right track on that. So, thank you. Okay. Were there other questions uh, for Carl? Yeah, something different. Do you have a management strategy for eucalyptus? <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> we not for me. Maybe we <laughs> should wait till maybe we should wait till. <laughs> let's get Mashan up here yeah, next. Mashan Mich <laughs> will be next. I'm, I mean, I, I think you know the the um, the short answer, and Mashan may have a longer one. Is that you know. Everything, you know, maybe aside from barbed goat grass, you know, a lot of species that we manage, we manage differently depending on where they occur and, and yeah, and so, you know, and how they occur. So the way that we manage eucalyptus differs depending on the location, but. It's true, no, I think that's a great way to put it. I think one of the things that we are using uh, in coinciding with the fire service agencies is that eucalyptus are really flammable. So we've taken advantage of some grant opportunities through CAL FIRE and state fire agencies to be able to construct new fuel breaks near homes that are also helping us reduce an invasive species such as eucalyptus because they're really hard. They're, eucalyptus groves are, you know, very um, prolific and difficult to maintain and take years and years and years. So if we can build it into a fuel break, which is a facility that we're going to maintain anyway, yeah. it sort of is a win-win. Part of the program. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. I know you had a question for Michelle. Yeah. So, um, Michelle, that was a terrific report and great work, um, and especially the, the photo index has been, you know, you know, you just read about it all the time. Great public input, uh, good way of pu publicizing the, the, the district and um, and getting people involved. That program's been in place for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and you use kind of a, a generic methodology. Have, have you thought about going to the next step yes. and using the photo index to specifically ask um, management questions that would be useful for our management to do scientific management? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. All the public agencies have been chomping at the bit to do that. Um, we, we sort of partnered on this project as a three-year baseline project, and what we're learning in this second year is that we have, um, we have almost a million photos across all the lands. And on our lands, we have over 150,000, as I was saying, pictures of actual wildlife. And what we're able to do with this, with this new information, now that we have it all, you can imagine, we used volunteers to collect to be able mm -hmm. to bring all the data together and analyze it, is that um, we're able to, to have an understanding of seasonally what the animals are doing where and based on use what the animals are doing where. So um, I think over time it's going to tell us a lot more and I think we're also going to be able to reduce effort at, uh, rather than maybe having the cameras out winter, spring, <coughs> summer, fall, maybe we can <coughs> focus on some areas in the winter because we know that's where they are over here and then they all come over here in the summer. Um, and then we could look at areas that would have high trail density and high use. We can look at, we of course notice things right off the bat that raccoons are really high at um, Samuel P. Taylor Park and they're almost non-existent at, you know, across <coughs> the way at Devil's Gulch where there aren't uh, garbage cans in a campground, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, we are we are going to be the, the next step is really now that we have all the data is to be able to use it for each 
um, agency's purposes. That's exactly where we're going. Yeah, that, that would be good because we do get a lot of questions, you know, about various types of human use and their impacts on wildlife. Sure. But a lot of that is, is kind of speculative. Sure. Um, and it's usually one constituency pointing their finger right. at another mm -hmm. constituency. Um, but we actually could use some real good data on, on those things, and, and camera traps are a good good method of collecting yeah, that data. And, and the other really good thing I just want to point out is that, um, you know, we just went to a, recently the Bay Area Open Space Council convened a, a wildlife symposium that talked about uh, wildlife corridors, and this is a really important project because they're doing a similar project up in Sonoma County, mm -hmm. and one of the big focuses is for us to really look outward now. I'm partnering with Sonoma County at where would these wildlife corridors happen. It's one of the reasons why we placed the, the wildlife picture index where, where we are so that it's uh, across a major transportation corridor, Sir Francis Drake, will animals cross that or not? And we are finding that, sure, they are. They're going back and forth across. And can they continue to move up? And we're really seeing those numbers, which we weren't sure before, and now we know. It's great. Other questions from the front? Uh, I've, I've got a couple follow-ups. I'll, I'll jump in. Um, and it, it's really on the, uh, the picture index. I know mm -hmm. we've got those online. Yep. Um, and I think we brought it up in previous meetings. Are we... We tying in with Department of Education with various school districts mm -hmm. for their science education and, and making sure that they're taking advantage of that research. Yeah, that's a great question. We are. So that's okay. one of the things that One Tam is helping us do. One Tam, uh, we recently hired um, conservation a couple of conservation members with interns, and they are now partnering with uh, local high schools and middle schools. Um, I, I'm not sure if they've done elementary schools this year, but I know this year was focusing on high schools and elementary schools to mm -hmm. do exactly that, to not only get them in the classroom to start cataloging and helping us right. with that so that they can get a better understanding, but really trying to bring that into the classrooms. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, and then I know it's not in the zone of your cameras right now, um, but I remember, you know, rumor of few years back, bear sighting up yep. near Heart's Desire. Yep, we, we get them. Sign? We <laughs> get them. Uh, we haven't seen any on cameras. I know. <laughs> we so badly wanted to. Uh, yeah. Every once in a while, we do get one wandering down from Sonoma, mostly out on the seashore. Uh, it happens. It does. It does yeah. happen. It hasn't. We haven't seen them on our cameras. It wouldn't be the perfect location for them, but, yeah. but yeah, it does happen. And then, since you brought up the um, the vernal pool up on Burdell, mm -hmm. um, tying in on the photo index. Have you ever thought about a sound index? So yes, that's a great idea. So because uh, I've been up there, interesting you say deafening that. with frogs. Isn't that really cool? Yeah. That is amazing. We actually David Herlocker has a has a program where as you walk up, he he quiets everybody and you has you listen, yeah. and it's 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 incredible. It's yep. deafening. If you and if you don't notice it and you're talking or running, you don't realize it's there. Uh, we do. So one thing we did was we did uh, sound monitoring for bats. Uh, bats have become a, a really interesting component, uh, again, across one TAM of doing an inventory. P we didn't really know a lot about bats before, and mm. what we found is there are 13 different species of bats in Marin. Mm. All of them were found at Mount Burdell. It blew everybody's really? mind. We, we couldn't believe it. But, um, yeah, we haven't done uh, amphibians or, or other birds yet, but the bats have been – we were amazed, so we're going to yeah. continue that. Because it might tie in just with some of the marketing right, stuff, sure. just out of curiosity. That's a great – Frogs, coyotes, bats. Well, and we're also building a frog pond right now. I didn't mention it, um, but we're building a frog pond up at Mount Burdell as well. Uh, there are red-legged frogs up there, but there mm -hmm. isn't the habitat, and so we've worked with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to construct an actual, hopefully this year we'll have construction completed for the frog pond. It's pretty neat and able to graze along with the grazing. It's sort of a compatible use. Yeah, we found, uh, we actually did studies when I was at Eastman. Ponds, we had some, one pond protected, Yep. You know, fenced off, right. and the water was clear, and then we had other ponds exposed to grazing. Yep. The ponds that were exposed to grazing 
the red-legged frogs yep. thrive. Yeah. Uh, because the turbidity in the water was disturbed and they could hide. Uh, and the clear water protected pond, they were just decimated. Right. <laughs> because they were, yep. you know, the predators would get them. Yeah, uh, it's the perfect place because it's the only place where we really which, graze. Which was kind of counter, yeah. if you think about it, very logical, but counterintuitive right. when people were right. anti-grazing. Right. You know, they thought it was against wildlife, but right. actually was protecting some wildlife. Yeah, really useful. Other questions? Yeah, I, I just just what chime in because you, you did mention. So I I did compare Yosemite um, to the district, um, and um, I, I should say that in some ways we do have some outstanding resources. I, I work professionally with um, Vernal Pools, and the Vernal Pool is an incredibly um, important resource, and um, it just didn't get there. Um, there's uh, invasive plants there, particularly an invasive mint right. that's yep. uh, very problematical. It'll be really problematical this year, but the district has done an incredible job in not only maintaining the physical thing, but the also the, the, the native composition. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, that's something that's subtle. You can't really, the general public doesn't really say, oh, there's a good native composition out there. But it, it, that, that, that's really the, the most important thing. On the comparison, Roger, I love Beef Wellington, I love cheeseburgers, I love Yosemite, I love Marin County. Each is glorious in their own way. Tina, do you want to stretch your knee again and you can be next? Okay. Questions for Tina? I think uh, you've done a remarkable job. Uh, Thank the, uh, communication systems here are really outstanding and they're continue to get better. The sign program is, uh, I know it's rolling out. It's rolling out and, and really it will be the signature project the of Measure the design, A. I'm throwing design, down now. Uh, the design <laughs> consultants that you, you've worked with are just uh, top notch. Uh, Thank you. As Tina knows, I've, I've had a love of the sign project since I started on this group you know, years back, so I'm glad <laughs> it's moving forward. You're not telling us. <laughs> <laughs> there there are some things that we don't discuss in an open yeah. form. <laughs> um, so I'm really glad that you're doing that too. And I, and I completely agree with you when you tied it into um, visitor behavior. You know, it, it's very much the fix the broken window concept. If, if the entrance to the park looks like we care and we value it, um, I think that it's, translates it's so much. The stewardship piece of it is important. And yeah. It has taken you know a, lo a long time to get done, but. It, we've, this last year has been a year of prototyping, meaning testing the structure, testing the messages, and also working with the stakeholder groups, from the bike groups to the equestrians to Marin Dog. Everyone's had their shot at it, right. and it's you know it was a three four month process of that. But nobody was upset. We missed a couple you know words here and there, and there was I don't like the size of that bullet or add a comma, but it was there is excitement for it, right. and I and I think. You know, we actually rolled them out, rolled the first part of the plan out at the bike park. And other than some wear and tear from the environment, there's been no, no little to no vandalism. Same goes at the skate park. So I think we're going to be successful with these, which is indicative of the, of the uh, process that we went through. I, I always felt that the sign programs reflects on you when you are there representing mm -hmm. you. 
message is really a key part of that, what you say. Yeah. So, nice word. Great, thanks. I did have a question on the um, the seasonal program guide. Um, you said yes. that was distributed through the IJ. Yes. Um, what other distribution methods do we have on that? Does that go out to the libraries? It goes well? out to the libraries. Every kind of community gathering point, when we're whether it's a library, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, we're really finding they're picked up in the supermarkets, especially. Okay. Uh, we're bringing them to Starbucks and Pete's that let us bring them. Um, and then in as many doctor's offices as we can. Right. And that's actually, you know, somebody from my team is going around and driving things, checking who's taking them, who isn't taking them. We keep increasing, you know, printing of these probably 500 each, each five to 750 each quarter. So it's... Uh, Will REI take them? REI has taken them. Uh, this last time they... Yeah, they, yes, they, they are taking Good. them. We had a little... I've seen them at the YMCA. YMCA is a big taker. Um, okay. I love this project. This was my baby. When this, I, yeah, <laughs> there was some, a wise sage suggested this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. The branding is fantastic. Thank Glad we're doing that. Any other questions? Any questions? Yeah, I had a question about maps. Yes. So uh, I know a lot of times if I want to go explore a new area, I try to go online to the website and get maps. And some of the ones I've not been able to find, like I was trying to explore the contour trail and find more about that. I wasn't able to find anything on that. How is there a good way for the general public, if they hear or read about something like the plunge, you look the plunge up, it doesn't really say where the plunge is unless you know. Mm. So the maps are kind of being yeah. developed step by step along with the signs and along with the road and trail management plan. So we couldn't update the maps until when the project was done, which we just did no, no, at the end of November. All the maps were new. Um, and as we go through installations in Region 1, Region 2, all the way through 6, those maps will be updated to reflect the changes. There, uh, if you're having any problems, um, let me know. But it, they're on the website. We send out notices, mostly through social media. We could do a bigger pitch, and and I'll definitely include that in the in the 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 program guide. Okay, I know. I noticed that like after. Michael and I went and did the tour of the fair, fairway tour, or yes. the fairway trail, and those kinds of things. I went later to try to find those, and I wasn't able to find them. And I was wondering if, if you, when you do have those maps, is there a way to make them so like PDFs are printable? So they're all, you know, what it is that's on some users' machines. Uh -huh. it, it, there, there's a some accessibility requirements on the county that make it a little bit tough, and your their maps are not always read as PDFs. So. Okay. We, we are aware of that problem, and we'll keep working on it. Yeah. Okay, great. I've, I've had the, you know, not the opposite um, huh. luck on it, but, but the map system has been great for us. Um, we actually frequently link it on our social media um, so that, that our kids are able to access it, um, and the families in our program can then take advantage of those maps and get out on the open space. Um, I think part of the problem sometimes is um, depending on where you are on trails and it crosses over a couple of preserves and some of the maps bring up different spots, especially like around Big Rock um, Ridge. And not everything is on the maps. It's yeah, just right. only official yeah. trails. The other thing is we're going to be launching a new, not a new website, but a redesigned website that's compliant. We were kind of the first in the county in 2009, 2010 with the current system. And that was before some awareness on some compliance rules. So we're upgrading it. It's going to be redesigned in our new brand, which was launched following after the website. 
And the very first thing that you're going to see on that page is a map. And you'll click on the map and it'll take you to an interactive Google map of Marin where it, it will be more intuitive to find each and every preserved map. Okay, and then I know the other thing on the maps is sometimes it's helpful if it explains where parking is, like for trailheads and stuff. So a lot of times if you want to go to a map that you can't, I mean an area you can't walk to and you want to drive to, sometimes if it says here's where the designated parking is and that always helps too. I'll let Max yeah. answer that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a tough one. I mean for our, our parks, we have a designated parking, uh -huh. but we don't actually have any trailhead parking for our preserves. You know, it's, it's sort of the characteristic of our preserves is that they're adjacent to communities and, and people park within those communities to access trailheads. Um, and typically our visitors, you know, what we found through our survey is that they live in that neighborhood. And, mm -hmm. and so I, I have seen some maps that will even call out limited parking yeah. near some trailheads, which I think is a great um, advantage as well. So. And the individual who makes our maps is Ben Pease. He's kind of a local icon in the, in the cartography circles of San Francisco Bay Area. And Ben knows these lands like the back of his hands. And where we can, we put a little bit more information. But yeah. going to Max's point, the preserves are, you know, there's a neighborhood ownership to them that we, we have to be sensitive. And we're going to see with these new signs, which are much bigger and have more information, um, kind of that, 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 that fine balance to cross with not, you know, realizing it's considered their backyards too. Right. Well, maybe if you indicate that there's no parking and street parking is best or here's yeah. the best places if you do want to drive here, you should park down here or walk up the street or whatever it is and maybe make suggestions. Cause I know yeah, we have a, we, in some of our marketing, we try to kind of funnel everybody to the 34-ish uh, high volume entries as we call them, which have ample street parking. Not, of course, to blast it and say, come on, there's a party here tonight, but sure. these are better areas if you're driving in and you're not on foot that have parking for you. And it may be a worthless idea, but maybe on some of the, the pictures like of the plunge and those things that you post on the website that are just the pictures themselves, just to have a link when you click it that it'll hyperlink over to the map. To the map, yeah. Just so that well, Joe uh, that, can say that looks pretty and then suddenly he's there. That, so. Actually, I was going to speak to that point. Mm -hmm. it, as as Tina just explained, you know, as of no, at the end of November, all of our actual preserve maps that you can access right. when you go to the main portal and website, those are all up to date for the Southern Marin preserves that reflect, you know, the outcome of our project work. But if you're looking though, and you want to specifically see though, get more detail on those projects and find out where, for instance, the plunge is and understand how to get there, I think actually the more efficient thing to do is to go to the RTMP webpage, the, the Road and Trail Management Plan webpage. Under projects, right? So there's a whole, trail projects. Right. There's a whole page for our current projects, and if you scroll down, you'll find the plunge, and there's a map. We actually have a fact sheet for every one of those projects. It gives a little inset map that shows you, kind of highlights the portions of the trail that were involved in those projects. Okay, great. Yeah, I think we're also looking at the casual user as well, right. just to entice yeah. them outside. Yeah. So, any other questions for Tina? No. Thank you very much. Thanks. Tara, I guess you're last. Or Kevin, but <laughs> any questions yeah. for Tara? <laughs> questions? I just had one comment on, you know, what Tara was talking about on the capital projects, and it's just something to be aware of. Is there's significant capital development needs, financial needs to move those projects forward? So, Measure A certainly can do its part, but it can't do everything, and it's something we need to be aware of. As Kevin talked about, working with Doug Houston, get it, uh, who's our 
advocate in Sacramento, getting uh, outside funding uh, kind of critical to moving some of those projects forward. And and I know Max is is looking at you know other options is down way down the road at some point in time. So. I have a specific question on McNear. When we toured it, <coughs> how many years ago? A couple ago? Of years back, yeah. Yeah, there was talk that the pool was oriented the wrong way. So does the plan yeah, change it? Yeah, it's basically on the master plan um, to flip it completely the opposite side of where the, the um, pool house is, uh, is right now, so to go on the other side. So where the tennis courts are would be. Oh, to actually move it, yeah. the location. Oh, completely. Completely, like okay. in, a, in a completely different pool and to actually, and one of the things we've been working um, and talking to some of the, the user groups around the area is to be able to design a pool that will be have multiple functions and serve multiple groups so we can you know expand our opportunities for for uh, revenue but also just for um, more use and, and and building on that so Excellent. yeah and then my other question I don't know if you know the answer to um, but Max or Kevin might the barge that hit the pier, did we get any money from that incident? Yeah, and so maybe maybe that wasn't, so the, to be clear about it, that the damage from that was repaired separately. The, the work that we conducted through Measure A funding was just when we repaired that damage, we also took a closer look at the pier and realized that there was some issues unrelated to the barge. So. The, the work that it was about close to a million dollars worth of work that happened this last summer and fall and that was funded by Measure A, that was completely unrelated to the barge incident. Tara pointed out that, you know, the great work at Stafford Lake and some of the other parks and it would be sort of sad to go through this meeting and not mention Measure A days and also our library park no, pass program because bring that up, yeah. these are two opportunities uh, for anyone in Marin or you know even outside the area to basically visit our regional parks for free and really experience sort of the changes happening there. So and what if we standardize those two? Are they? Um, so, yeah, please. Yeah, so measure it is the first Saturday of the month. Okay. And so the idea is, yeah, making parks available for free to people who where the fee might be a challenge, right. and. And then we still have the um, the library pass program. Yep, correct. And currently, our our passes are in the libraries. Uh, the are big they, rollout. Are they getting checked out? They are getting checked out. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but state parks and water district are going to join us in April for a big launch. So we're okay. excited about that. Um, Tara, playgrounds. I saw the pictures of the playgrounds at mm -hmm. Stafford, um, and and they immediately just warmed my heart. Um, they were. Rustic. I know they are structured, but they had the appearance of unstructured um, just for creative play, for really letting kids explore and do those kind of things. And and it was wonderful to see that. So that, if you well, wanted to we, talk we're about we're playgrounds. We're equally as excited because when we had, we actually had a rep come in and show us that product line, uh -huh. and all our jaws dropped, and we were yeah. like, we almost bought it on the spot. We we're like, yeah. we want that because Stafford was in need. and. Right. And to find, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that is just, it's, 
kitschy. I mean, it's just completely, it's, I, I, I can't even talk about it. And sticking so a kid we, in a box. Yeah, and, and yep. so when we saw, you know, those post and platforms, it's like they're a dime yeah. a dozen. And, and so to do something that was really design-wise really fun and exciting, mm -hmm. but also challenging to the kids and mm -hmm. fit into the context right. of the park, yeah. it, we couldn't have found a better fit. And, and, it was, it, and it was affordable. I mean, it was like, wow, this is great. So we're really excited about it. There was an uh, article, gosh, it might be four or five years ago now, um, just in the Atlantic that just was a write-up. Um, and I think it was a playground called The Jungle. Um, and it was a completely unstructured and much more rustic. Kids were actually allowed to build small fires um, in terms of their <laughs> creative play. Um, but, you know, I'll try to hunt it down, but you, but you can Google it as well. Um, I think it was, you know, it was in Atlantic Monthly, mm. The Jungle, you know, look up creative play um, and yeah. you should be able to find it um, but it it has that same theme element of really encouraging exploration connection with nature um, and building you know that child up more so. and that's one of that I mean this that piece of that park or that playground is I mean we we were torn about putting it in because the master plan mm -hmm. for Stafford that whole area is has an, a, a huge adventure playground where right. we you know we've got this incredible design that um, we want to realize at some point and so but we're like this is a great place to to start yeah. and so that kind of gives the spark and get it gets everybody yeah. excited and i think realistically we have to socialize that idea with parents to mm. you know let their kids go and do some of those things um so maybe starting that way is a good way before you get to more of the adventure park so yeah um but kudos to that great so, thank you yeah so. are there still plans for a zip line I know my kids there is a zip line at Stafford. Oh, at the small, in that in oh, that yeah. playground, we okay. didn't show. Uh, there's it's it's short. Okay. Yeah. But the zip line and the master plan is still in there. Oh, good. Yeah. That'll take a concessionaire, but it is. It the is zip still lines in there. are sometimes a little bit more trouble than they're worth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a mini. So that park part of the uh, one neat component is there's a a mini zip line that yeah. kids can do. Yeah, there, yeah. One of the photos had they're hanging on. The mini ones are good, but sometimes then when you're drifting into ACCT standards, yeah. we can talk later. Yeah, so. no, this, this one was really, really yeah. great. Thank Any you. other questions for her? Yeah. Oh, I have one more. Yeah. So I noticed that when I've gone up top of Ring Mountain, there's a couple big rocks up there that people like to climb on. And I'm wondering if there's any other places where we could establish something for people like to free climb and stuff like that where we can make a designated spec, because I know that that's a, gotten to be a popular, um, as it's almost a social thing. A lot of I, I, I believe I actually saw that on social media the other day. Yeah. Was that on a park posting, or was it somebody else who posted bouldering at uh, uh, Boulder? Yeah. Maybe somebody else. Uh, it's something that it, it's, it's part of the Stafford Master Plan. It is part of the Stafford Master Plan. It's one of the pieces that I personally think is, is really cool, because mm -hmm. um, it doesn't require a lot of area, and but they're they're prefabricated right. climbing boulders, and mm -hmm. and part of um, uh, it's kind of like a climbing course, but you link it with slackline and things, and which is another part yep. that's really exciting. And I mean, that's that can entertain you for hours, uh, but that's that is a component in the master plan that we're really excited about because yeah. um, it would be uh, really really. A great. I mean, that's kind of the vision for for Stafford is to make it kind of into this adventure park where um, get people outdoors and really kind of being active. 
Yeah, another cool thing about that is it's you know a low maintenance cost feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Other questions? No? Just uh, as we or one big advantage of buying some really great products like this is they people that design the products have the des- have design mm-hmm. liability. Mm-hmm. So one thing that sometimes happens is agencies get real excited and start to design their own stuff. Um, and when you assume design liability and if somebody gets injured, the attorneys uh, mm-hmm. get tend to, right. tend to really uh, cash in, so <laughs> for lack of a better word. So it's uh, important to have that that little firewall there, but it's great that they're making products like that. Yeah, that's exciting. They've they've definitely we've seen more and more more innovative, mm-hmm. creative, aesthetically pleasing uh, structures and and elements and play elements on the mar- market now. So it's it's really great. Thank you. Great, thanks. I have another. No, no. <coughs> Not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I had another item that was different from hers. <laughs> uh, the addition of the Dulcini hmm. farm to the Mont system is a real winner. And you read some of it in the paper where you have continuous malt easement. And that I call the string of pearls. The reason it's that is because it, uh, I figured just messing around with a ruler, it's about 20 miles in length. And uh, what else have I got here? It's, uh, with, yeah, total it was in the paper 11.2 thousand acres. And uh, it consists of, did I say 10 easements? It's 10 easements. Hmm. That's a real tribute to this guy who, for how many years, I don't even know, worked with his staff to do a lot of that. And Jameson Watt is carrying on. So that contiguous piece of land mm-hmm. is, a, is a string of pearls. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, no other questions on that? So. So, Kevin, are we dovetailing now on part nine, agenda item nine? Have we set up a lot of the groundwork for it? And yeah. In the so interest of time, however. I we'll go really quick through this next one. I, I don't want to rush you, but, uh, well, and it's but, l- but the staff has done a great job. Um, they, yeah, we have an incredible team, and I, I just really want to appreciate their work. And this is – I'll go through this really briefly, and some of it's a repeat for uh, – Pat and Roger, so I apologize to you. You're getting a double dose here. So it's, you know, this isn't going into the real specifics of our 17-18 our budget. This is year two of a two-year budget cycle. And so what I really wanted to do was spend a little bit of time, I did this for the commission, but going through a, a little forecast of okay. uh, budget forecast and, and just sort of briefly talking about our general approach. So we can go real quickly. This is just some background. 1933, when the first park, Marin County Park was created. 1972, voters passed Measure A that created the Open Space District. 2012, when voters passed uh, Measure A quarter cent sales tax 
Um, and then just a little bit about what we are. I'll just skip through all this part. Um, a little bit about our visitors. You've heard about a visitor study, so you know about this. So, and then just really quick. So this is our 2016-17 budget, um, uh, but it's, it, you know, I think we have a similar, you know, approach for 17-18. Um, and it, it's like, it's this is very similar to the graph that's in the annual report, but, you know, looking at our three major funding sources, uh, open space and uh, the general fund, are both largely funding salaries and benefits, and then uh, also um, reoccurring uh, services and supply costs. And the majority of our project and, and capital project budget comes from uh, our Measure A funding. And so we can go to the next one. And and this is, again, this is 2016-17, but as we develop our 1718 budget, um, the breakdown of expenditures is very similar. Our top three expenditure areas are um, the top one is is park infrastructure work. Uh, the second highest one is is uh, in our vegetation management and and restoration work and then the third is in our road and trail uh, management and those are, really are our top three areas for expenditures in terms of projects. Um, and we can go on to the next one there. Uh, in terms of salaries and benefits, most of our employees uh, are our operations staff in the field. These are our rangers, our maintenance workers, our supervising rangers. Um, and we have uh, approximately 62 uh, permanent uh, operations staff, and I think that's 42 there, uh, seasonal operations staff. And then the the other folks there are in our uh, professional services divisions, planners, landscape architects, uh, communications, uh, natural resources, scientists, um, and uh, folks in our ad administration. So I... Uh, this is getting into the economic forecast. Um, so, you know, most economists predict a slowdown by 2019. Um, the United States is in its eighth year of economic expansion. That's the fourth longest on record. Uh, most of the fundamentals are strong, especially locally in the Bay Area. Um, but, you know, certainly there's a lot of risk and uncertainty, with, especially with the federal administration and, um, and the state budget has uh, outlook has been downgraded. So, uh, our our local outlook and and for the county, um, again, long term projections are looking at a downturn by eighteen nineteen. But you know, m more of a slowing than than you know. I the think dropping. right. Yeah. yeah, that's and so. Um, you know, we're projecting that property tax revenue will continue to grow, but at a slower rate than what we've been seeing. Um, and, you know, one thing that's important to note is that for the general fund in terms of our funding sources, uh, you know, there's the county is uh, has a 3% cost of living increase for uh, employees. And that requires a 5.5% increase in uh the the general fund to fund that because uh, forty percent of the general fund is from uh, federal 
sources. In addition, there's fee revenue that doesn't increase as quickly, so um, there's a larger increase in the property tax revenue that's required to offset those other sources that are closer to flat. Um, and then again, the um, recent changes at the federal level and, and, and uncertainty, especially about health and human services funding, um, which makes a, federal sources make up 40% of the overall general fund revenue, um, increases uncertainty about the general fund. Um, and then additionally, if, uh, you know, markets slow down, then uh, pension costs also would increase for the, the county. And this is, uh, you know, not necessarily local, but looking at statewide, um, you know, of course, while property values increase uh, more quickly, the actual assessed value um, and the property tax revenue that comes to us uh, increases much more slowly. And that relationship has even um, gr grown more disparate in in recent years so it's there's even slower growth while property values have increased more strongly and i don't think anybody knows exactly why um but perhaps it's, it indicates a slower turnover in high value homes um and then in terms of measure a uh sales tax revenue um is you know of course less stable than than the property tax revenue and so this is a projection of uh, sales tax revenue um, and I and I think you know the projection is that it might it just level out uh, over the next few years but of course it, you know it'll we'll see so all that being said uh, you know we want to make sure that looking ahead we're strategic um, we're going to be, you know, one of our primary important uh, next steps is working with community partners and planning ahead for the extension of Measure A. Uh, and then another important strategy is making sure that we're investing our current funding in meaningful repairs. Um, and one of those things is you look at those uh, master plans and, and the work that we have projected our sign plan. There's a lot of smaller scale, meaningful projects that will yield results for the community and don't require a lot of additional maintenance or, or ongoing costs. And that's where we want to uh, invest our funding in the short term. Um, and so we also want to continue to prioritize partnerships, the One TAM partnership, partnership with friends of uh, Stafford Lake Bike Park, um, the work with malt there's a lot of really great uh, partnerships that yield uh, you know additional uh, fu outside funding um, and then you know I think just because there's um, some uncertainty about the future that doesn't mean we're I think it it, it adds to the need to focus on our our um, central uh, initiatives our road and trail management work our vegetation management work, our work around equity uh, in parks, um, our updating of parks facilities in meaningful ways, and then the other really big one is investing in, in projects around climate change and sea level rise adaptation. Uh, we have a number, Bolinas Lagoon, Bothine Marsh, McGinnis Marsh, 
places that are just outstanding biological resources that could really be negatively impacted by sea level rise. And, um, and finally, you know, aligning staff, uh, staffing with community needs. So I think as we go forward and, um, you know, through retirements or attrition or other things, uh, uh, positions open up, we just want to take a hard look and make sure that uh, our staffing is correctly aligned with, with the needs of the community and, and with our goals. And so that's the end of my presentation. Any questions? Questions from the group? Um, there was just one thing that jumped out at me sure. as you were going through the statistics. Uh, average uh, age for our visitors, 50 years old for the parks. Mm -hmm. um, That's parks and open space combined. Parks and open space. So we're yeah. skewing about five years older than um, than the county general population. Um, and I'm just glad we're doing playgrounds to bring the younger <laughs> people in. I think it's if true. we can get that goal to, to get in that range or possibly even younger than the county average, um, then we'll know we've got the amount of visitors that we really want in there. So, yeah, yeah. So. Chair, if I may, uh, there are a couple of important dates coming up. Yep. One is the next Parks and Open Space Commission meeting March 16th, which is when staff will present uh, draft Measure A budget items to the commission uh, that the public may comment on. This is a requirement in the Measure A expenditure plan, and this meeting annually meets that requirement. So we can send you more information about that. And it sounds like uh, April is when the budget hearings will occur in front of the Board of Supervisors? That'll be a yeah, budget workshop in, in April. It'll, it'll focus more on um, long-term strategies, uh, but then the, in June, there'll be the actual budget hearings where the budget's adopted by the Board. Okay. And you would like our participation at that meeting to, to come to those meetings? To it's optional, but I certainly invite all of you. Okay to attend and could you send a follow-up email to the whole committee just with the dates and a quick you know synopsis on what the meeting is and yeah I think if you're interested in the nuts and bolts of our trail projects our vegetation management those those specific projects that March 16th uh, Parks and Open Space Commission meeting is is really going to dig into the details okay. the April meeting will sort of be bigger picture, longer term, some of the things I talked about today. And then that June meeting's really the, you know, actual hearing where the board adopts the budget. Yep. Okay. Any other questions on budget, upcoming meetings on the budget? I am 10 and we're working through it. This will be quick. Yep. Um, so we have two ad hoc committees, an audit committee uh, and an annual report committee um, that we ask the members of this group to uh, to divide up to work on those different ad hoc committees um, and we do this on a volunteer basis I've got little grids with lines Kevin probably has the exact same thing next to the roster um, so are there any volunteers who would like to serve on the audit committee Mike could you give us a little bit of background what committee sure. responsibilities sure. are and, and I'm going to defer some of that over to Kevin I will say with the audit committee with the change in software that went through the last year I think that caused some different changes on the meetings, uh, but generally these are not large commitments. Um, I, I will give a little thing, because Kevin might not say it, especially on the annual report committee. Um, you know, we are here as a, as a community oversight group, uh, which I think also helps give staff some of the views of the community when they're putting these pieces together on what resonates and doesn't resonate. Um, and I think that's a good staff support, that they don't always ask for the help, but it's one of those things that we are there to offer 
not only help but oversight. Um, so I'll let you give a little bit more details on that after my editorial is done. That's perfect. Uh, just to give you a feeling, the audit committee meets three to four times a year. Uh, they're not two audits, so you'll actually meet with uh, both Badawi and Department of Finance auditors uh, in kickoff meetings to talk about the schedule, um, what the audit might look like, uh, where their focus will be in the coming year. Uh, and those meetings happen uh, starting in August and you know, roughly might be August, September, and December um, based on this new revised schedule. And the length of time on those meetings is generally? You know, we're looking at an hour, okay. you know, each for those. And otherwise, you just receive updates about uh, the status of the various audits and what the timelines are looking like. The annual report, uh, probably the key meeting to attend is the big staff kickoff meeting, um, which has traditionally happened in August, but actually we might have another meeting earlier in the year to just talk about planning for that. Um, that, that big August meeting where we basically throw all of our accomplishments on the table and sort through them and figure out what we need to put in the report will take a couple of hours. We usually bring refreshments so it's not too painful. And it's sort of fun to be in the room with all the managers talking about, uh, you know, you're sort of the first to hear about all these accomplishments together and what, what might go in the new report. Mm -hmm. Um, you also play a, a key role in looking at the report and giving any recommendations uh, about how to improve the communications uh, of the report itself and also surrounding Measure A in general. Uh, and I think this coming year, looking at the summary page that's brand new this year, how we're capturing Measure A success over time, I think that'll be a key item for you to weigh in on. So, yep. yeah. And two hours on that meeting, maybe subsequent. Yeah, a couple one-hour meetings, okay. exactly. So generally, between both of those, they average about three hours of commitment during the course of the year. Yeah. Um, is serving on an ad hoc committee a requirement of serving on this committee, or it, is it, it an is optional not, one? It's, it's a requirement under the expenditure plan that the that committee participates okay. in the audit and annual report is not a requirement okay. for you to. So it's a pretty please volunteer. And we're looking at three members. If we have two, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so any hands for the audit committee? I'll volunteer for whichever one you want. Okay. Any, any, uh, I will do audit. So. Yeah. Joe and I will do audit. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll do audit. You want to do audit too? Okay. Thank you, Bob. Okay. And that way, I, it'll help if there's a scheduling issue um, that at least we know one or two out of the three will be able to make it. Um, annual report committee, Roger. Anybody else for the annual report committee? Thank you, Pat. see that. Um, and Kevin, shoot me the invitation on the annual report committee if my schedule permits it all. That sounds great. Okay. I'll stick in too. Okay. Um, our next meeting date, because you're going to send out these other dates to us on an email, um, do we have a date for our next formal meeting of this group? Let me look that up for us. So it's going to be November 9th from 2 to 4. And would you mind emailing that out um, tomorrow as well, just so we of can course. stick it on our calendars? Okay. okay. November 9th, you said? 
Correct. Um, so before we move for adjourn, I want to take uh, Chair Prerogative. Um, and Max, I want to thank you for having the full staff here. Um, and for the full staff, yes, we are a community oversight committee. And every time we do this meeting to an empty room, I wish the whole community was here to hear everything that you're doing um, because you're doing an incredible amount of work and it really does benefit all the residents we serve. Um, and I wish more people were here to hear all of that's going on. I know it's a double-edged sword to fill this kind of room there when we have those little three-minute blocks in the beginning. Um, but I wish it was a wider audience um, that did hear it. But I, I hope that everybody's logged on the TV and watching it. So, um, so thank you all for those presentations. Uh, it was very meaningful. Um, but Max, I want to you know especially thank you for the work of Carla and Kevin, who who really make sure that this just keeps moving forward as effortlessly as it can for all of us. Um, it makes the job easier. Thank, thank you. you. Very so, Thank you. Um, with that, can I have a motion to adjourn? I move we adjourn. Yeah. Second? Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Anybody <laughs> says nay, they're staying here. For the <laughs> Thanks, Thank Michael. you very much. Thank you.